With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. Washington's Director of Fish and Wildlife is ordering all employees to undergo new sexual harassment and diversity training. The move follows reports by Public Radio's Northwest News Network and the News Tribune of Tacoma. Olympia correspondent Austin Jenkins has this update. First, there was a 2015 investigation into a sexualized culture among some members of Fish and Wildlife's executive management team. That followed the alleged rape of one employee by another. Then came an investigation this year that found explicit sexual banter and hazing at a fish hatchery in the Columbia River. Four employees were fired. People, yeah, are embarrassed. Fish and Wildlife Director Jim Unsworth says those incidents don't reflect the culture or values of his agency. I think we can do better. And so that's what we're going to do. Unsworth has now outlined eight steps Fish and Wildlife will take in the coming months, including improved sexual harassment training and a new way for employees to report misconduct anonymously. Unsworth says he'll also create a mentorship program to support the career development of women who make up less than a third of the agency's staff. Fish and Wildlife Commissioner Barbara Baker says she's heartened by these steps, outlined in an all-staff email from Unsworth. It's important for management to make something good out of something bad. And in this case, perhaps that's happening. But Baker says the true test will come in the implementation. That's a point echoed by State Senator Karen Kaiser. She's the ranking Democrat on the Senate Commerce and Labor Committee. If the implementation is done well, we'll see improvement. If not, not so sure. Kaiser may sponsor legislation to give all state employees additional options if they encounter a hostile or unprofessional workplace culture. For his part, Unsworth says he's still looking for ways to measure success, but he says his goal is to make fish and wildlife a model for how to create a safe, inclusive, and diverse workforce. I'm Austin Jenkins, 
in Olympia. Black brother. Black brother of hell. Today is the day that laws passed by the Missouri General Assembly in this year's session become effective. Some of them have a broader impact than others, but everyone is subject to these new laws, of course. Joining me in studio to discuss some of those that will have significant impact are members of our St. Louis Public Radio news staff. Erica Hunzinger is our politics, education, and criminal justice editor. Political reporter Jason Rosenbaum is with me in studio. Joining us by phone is our State House reporter, Marshall Griffin. Thank you all so much for being with us. Nice, to, nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's uh, go over some of these uh, other pieces of legislation that are important. Marshall, I'll come back to you on the workplace discrimination law, which I'm not sure that everybody fully understands. It's a little bit complicated, isn't it? It it is, and um, it it was so complicated that uh, a lot of the lawmakers um, had trouble um, making some of the sense of it, and others saying, you know, this thing was thrown together pretty fast and has some confusing language. Even some some Republicans were opposing it um, that normally would have supported workplace discrimination because of uh, concerns about what it might do for um, for healthcare workers uh, uh, who don't want to uh, take part in an abortion. That's that was uh, something that uh, some of the Republicans, a few, the few Republicans that opposed it, uh, latched onto that. But uh, but as we all know, it did become law. Uh, the basically uh, what this says is that um, it it makes it harder for a fired worker to prove that discrimination happened if uh, they lose their job. Basically. Uh, they they have to now prove that it was the main reason they were fired, as opposed to uh, uh, one of the reasons that might have contributed it contributed to their firing. And um, one of the uh, things that a lot of people a lot of people were upset about is that um, this would also limit uh, lawsuits to the company and not to the actual individual within that company who may have done the harassment or may have done may have committed acts of discrimination. Uh, that person is now shielded. And uh, only the company that uh, that particular supervisor would be employed for um, can be sued, not the supervisor him, her, himself or herself. But the main point is that race has to be determined as the explicit motivation for uh, dismissal. That's race, gender, age, uh, national origin, yes. One of the things that we've been reading most recently is the fact that this particular piece of legislation may be the reason that the NAACP put out its uh, travel advisories advising people of color not to be traveling through Missouri. Well, the, uh, the, the state, the state uh, director, the state president of the NAACP says definitely so. Um, he, uh, Rod Chappell also uh, told me that, uh, that they have no intention of withdrawing the, um, the travel advisory until – uh, the uh, the issues of uh, racial um, discrimination and discrimination against other groups are addressed uh, in law and also in civil cases. Black brother, like brother of hell. Uh, do you want to give a bit more on why you suggest to not bring up race, racism on the job? Um, yes, sir. Well, basically because of the logic. Uh, chances are if you are not being harmed, you will be, as a result of doing that, of bringing up, uh, especially in the form of an accusation against someone of practicing racism, white supremacy. Uh, if you are currently being harmed and you suspect that it is, uh, that racism, white supremacy is the cause of that harm, then you will be. Uh, in greater harm uh, it is the 
white people who practice racism, white supremacy, who will see to that happening. Um, some, something that uh, uh, non-white people have not, to my knowledge, given a great amount of thought to is that uh, if you talk about reducing justice, uh, not mistreating anyone, and helping the person who needs help the most get the most constructive help, the smartest, most powerful white people know automatically when they hear that kind of language that you are automatically talking against how the system of racism, white supremacy works. Uh, Non-white people don't seem to know that in any great number. And so we will bring up racism on the job. And as a result, either be harmed or placed in greater harm as a result of doing so. But it's all in how you use words. And so just by simply focusing on the production of justice, um, you can work against the system of racism, white supremacy. And that's on the job or anywhere else that you happen to be in your daily activities. So if it's a non-white person and they're on the job and they suspect that racism, white supremacy is being practiced either against them and or other non-white people on the job, uh, would you say that non-white person, even then, they should not bring up or make an accusation of racism? Uh, yes, that, that's my suggestion. Uh, because... Um you can use words in such a way that you can talk against and work against the system of racism, white supremacy, and in the process of talking against it and working against it, you can get the smartest, most powerful white people to work in your favor. So there, there's really no need to to bring up race on the job, ever. Uh, if you suspect that you are being harmed by it at any given time or anyone else. But this is something that uh, it appears as though many non-white people haven't given a great deal of thought to. And uh, because we don't or have not given a great deal of thought to it, uh, we will react to whatever may be happening around us at any given time. Uh, blurt out that someone is a racist. Uh, I have seen that happen on the job. Uh, I have seen people be escorted off the job as a result of that same day. Um, so there's, there is a way to do things. There's a process for doing everything. Uh, and there's also a process for 
working against the system of racism, white supremacy. Uh, since we we're talking about on the job, using that as an example, uh, one of the things that you could do if you are so inclined, uh, and I say that because it's really up to the individual non-white person to decide at a time and place of their own choosing whether or not they're going to say anything at all. Uh, it's, it's not up to me. Uh, or anyone else uh, to tell someone else what to say and what to do. Uh, I merely provide suggestions based on my own experiences, and people can use those suggestions or not. It's completely up to them. But there are things that you can say on the job. You can ask questions, for example, if you are so inclined to do so. You may ask um if, for example, uh, your lunch hour is being cut in half from an hour to half an hour, uh, you could ask a simple question. Um, is everybody's lunch hour being cut uh, in half? See, that goes toward no, no person being mistreated. See, if everyone is, is, is being treated the same way, uh, chances are, and not now under the, keep in mind, under the system of racism and white supremacy, there's no great chance, but there are chances are that you can ask questions to try to figure out whether or not you are being mistreated. Uh, and so that's the suggested path rather than just to blurt out and say, hey, look, this is racism. And uh, I've seen that happen on the job, and the results were not favorable for the person who did that. So, Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy today's date thursday september 14th 2017 so i have been told we have not done workplace racism in weeks in fact with my wisdom teeth extractions and back problems i think we missed workplace racism three out of the last four weeks uh, which, in the scheme of things, in the last year, I'm not sure if we have missed even two workplace racism programs. So it definitely was <clears throat> has been a difficult conclusion uh, to the summer of 2017 for Gus T. Uh, <clears throat> and just to make sure that I have things in perspective, uh, my back issues and wisdom teeth aside, I am sure there are lots of black people throughout uh, the Caribbean, Florida, Texas, uh, that are having substantially more difficulties than Gusty, not even close. Definitely keeping things in perspective. But my personal ailments definitely kept us off the air for workplace racism uh, over the past couple of weeks. Obviously, I'm feeling much better. I have threatened to bite a few people over the last 24 hours, so things are moving in the correct direction. Bravo. Thanks for the uh, folks who tuned in or wrote 
be a concern uh, over the past month or so, but I am feeling much, 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 much better with a capital M-U-C-H. Workplace racism, uh, people wrote in over the past month when we were not broadcasting, still with different things that came up over the job. We could have made this whole program just reading commentary from uh, folks who wrote in. I'll see how many of these I can get in today. And then if we have carryover, I'll just add them. Uh, I, I doubt uh, there'll be any issues. I am almost 100%. So I think uh, we'll probably be back to our normal schedule with, with broadcasting regularity. So if we don't get them in this week, we'll share next week. Uh, folks would like to chime in. If you have commentary, the number is 641 Four zero, the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. Number again six four one seven one five three six four zero. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. Uh, if you want to join in workplace racism, if you are unable or unwilling uh, to join us via phone, you can email untiljustice at gmail.com, untiljustice at gmail.com. We can read your commentary on the air anonymously. If you have you know concerns, you don't want to be identified, no problem. Uh, if you just want to comment on uh, what you hear from other folks, or if you have your own situation you would like to discuss, feel free, drop a line, untiljustice at gmail.com. I do uh, want to get in my reminder. We generally start workplace racism with, since we have not been broadcasting for a minute. Uh, this program, I think, is very important. It was quite a bummer uh, to have to miss so many broadcasts, but I think it's important because this is a subject that uh, I think gets neglected. I think it's extremely important, uh, and I think it's one that it's not always fun to talk about how we have been abused and mistreated on a job. Who wants to talk about how they were fired? Who wants to talk about how they were denied a promotion? Who wants to talk about how they were uh, the victim of some sort of uh, racist abuse on the job or sexual abuse. Who wants to talk about that, particularly with a bunch of strangers uh, and publicly. However, I do think that since that's one of the primary areas that we experience a lot of stress, a lot of strain, a lot of direct trauma, a lot of direct violence uh, is the workplace that that is something we should be talking about on a regular basis. I think you can learn a lot about what it means to be white, uh, by observing the folks that we spend 40 hours or whatever it is on a weekly basis. Uh, and most importantly, I think uh, you can come up with strategies. We can come up with things that work well uh, to neutralize some of the attacks that are happening against us in the workplace. Again, I can say it loud, policy and procedure uh, can be enormous. Just that alone, uh, reading the very book that they give you for free uh, when you start out the job or pamphlet or papers or hybrids it's given to you, just reading that uh, can do can go a long way uh, to remedying many difficulties, situations on the job. Always uh, encourage folks to make sure you're checking that policy and procedure. Uh, with that, uh, the clips that we played at the beginning, the sexual abuse, that they said they were doing training on sexual harassment and diversity in the workplace, almost seeming that they were connecting uh, those two issues in terms of 
uh, racism and sexual abuse on the job, which we talk about in concert regularly. Important, as I said, that's something you should be talking about and having strategies for how you deal with that and not being surprised or caught off guard. I think that helps too when you go into an environment and think it's going to be great and you're going to be treated well. And then these sort of things happen and you get stunned by it. I think that, you know, can also uh, retard being able to solve these problems and get things addressed when you already are not stunned about it and you already have in mind what to do. Somebody tries to touch me, I'm going to snatch away, you know, or whatever you're going to say. You already have that planned, much better position. The second piece, them changing the laws in the state of Missouri, I thought that was very important. Uh, that happened, uh, I believe, last week, just earlier uh, this month, September, where they were changing the laws. And as you heard for the state of Missouri, uh, now it's, it can't just be that you allege that racism was a part of you being fired. It may, it very well may have been. The burden of proof now, according to the new laws in the state of Missouri, which I suspect directly or indirectly, racist man, racist woman, racist child implemented, uh, that the new law, racism has to be the primary reason that you lost your job. It can't just be a contributing factor. Uh, that right there, uh, and I think the laws that they had in North Carolina, HB2, where there was so much focus around the bathrooms and gay rights and LGBT and all that, the component that I thought was most important was they also made it more difficult uh, for you to pursue some sort of litigation uh, if you feel that you lost your job or were subjected to workplace racism, same type of thing. And I suspect that more and more states are going to be passing these types of laws to make it more and more difficult uh, for you to pursue some sort of uh, legal avenue to address being the victim of white supremacy on the job. Just think that's important. I know Mr. Fuller uh, has said that a lot of, you know, why he advocates the the counter-racist codification that he advocates for the job using the constitution and that sort of thing the reason that he does that is because over the years he said he's just he's seen enough incidents where if you go the court route and i'm going to get a lawyer this is the type of thing that you can expect either them changing the laws to make it more difficult for your case to be successful them dragging it out i think we played a report from the state of oregon not that long ago where they had a case that had lasted more than a dozen years with no resolution just sitting and they didn't even have a timetable when this case after more than a decade was going to be resolved that they'll do that sort of thing they got lots and lots and lots of tricks that's why mr fuller not saying that he says don't do it just that is something that seems whites are very very good at and i thought that report from missouri i thought that further evidence uh continuing there was a report in the Seattle newspaper today, also on sexual abuse. This has nothing to do with racism, but I thought it was important because these type of things have come up uh, here before. And more importantly, I thought the strategy that was offered in how to address this, I thought this could be applied to other situations. So I'll try to read this really quickly. We'll get to the callers. And as I said, we have a bevy of people who wrote in. I could have just took the first 30 minutes and read all of those. Okay, so the article, this was in uh, the Seattle Times today. Boss's affair with co-worker turns team toxic. And they have a black heart for the image uh, for this report, which could have in and of itself uh, be an act of racism. Uh, so the female boss, 
the female boss of my small team at the large firm where I work is having an affair with one of my male peers. Both are married with kids. They spend hours together in each other's offices with the door shut, sneak out for lunches, and go on supposed work trips that happen to coincide. My boss constantly gives this peer undue credit and puts down the rest of us in his presence. She also seems distracted to the detriment of the team and shares confidential information about compensation. And this session is no longer being recorded. Fascinating. Um, she also seems distracted to the detriment of the team and shares confidential information about the, about compensation and people in the company with him. Essentially, they are hurting our team and creating a toxic environment. In our ethically focused company, this affair, if discovered, would lead to immediate termination for both, but my other team members are afraid to blow the whistle for fear of retribution. I've contemplated going to human resources, but that might be risky. I could find another job if I had to, but this would be a tough blow to a wobbly team, and I feel a sense of loyalty. That said, the toxicity and unfairness of this situation is mind-boggling. What is my best course of action? Now, this is the response which I said I think could be applied in other situations as well. Start by breaking down this litany of criticisms a bit. Separate what you know from what you believe or suspect and set aside demonstrable workplace problems from behavior that annoys or appalls you. I thought that one was uh, really important. Set aside, these are demonstrable workplace problems set those aside from behaviors that annoy or appall you continuing remember that in general the mar uh, marital fidelity of a co-worker isn't your business or the firm's this should help clarify what your real goal is here and what you might plausibly do it seems reasonable to have a conversation with human resources that focuses on specific problems if a manager's favoritism for a particular employee is really lowering morale or causing other trouble that's a legitimate issue whatever the underlying reason i'm not sure how you could know your boss is sharing confidential information but that also sounds like a concrete problem think about how to express your concerns in terms of the actual workplace behavior and its effects on the team rather than on what you believe is the root cause. If the situation is as blatant as you suggest, this shouldn't be hard. Office romances are, of course, not uncommon and it's a good idea for a company to have spelled out guidance and expectations, especially to address a relationship that crosses the supervisor subordinate line, which can lead to, for example, allegations of sexual harassment. Some companies even ask romantically involved employees to sign a love contract or similar document basically shielding the employer from such claims. But plenty have no policy, and I suspect many more look the other way unless a relationship starts causing tangible problems. In fact, if the behavior is as you've described it, it's hard to believe HR or management doesn't already have some idea. That's another reason for you to focus on specific problems hurting your team. Let management worry about what might be causing them and what to do about it end of the uh, report. I thought this was significant. And even the concluding paragraph there, you might not, and I think I'm a big advocate, you don't have to go in necessarily and snitch on someone, as they say. You don't have to go in and call out this person or that person and say they're doing this, say they're doing that. You can just go in and 
ask questions about how are we supposed to get things done here? You know, this company, we're trying to be successful. Uh, what are the best ways of going about getting things done? And if that's not happening, should that be brought to someone's attention? You can just focus in that manner specifically. You can take it from a policy and procedure uh, position. You can take it from, is there a problem in the workplace? Or I might have identified a problem in the workplace. And then as they stated in the report, other folks that are more powerful, that have the ability to solve the problem, they can address the root, what is causing this problem and how do we remedy it? And if they want to ask you a solution on how to remedy and what have you, you have one, that's fine. But you can just present it as there might be a problem here. Maybe we should investigate to see if it is. And then folks can figure out how do we get this solved. But there are a lot of ways I'm, I'm always, uh, I think it's helpful, particularly for black people in workplace situations, uh, regardless of who you have an issue with, if it's a non-white person or a white person, where well, you're not going, uh, having to make it sound as though it's, you know, that no good Tim is doing this or that no good Miss Johnson is doing, you don't have to go in like that. It can just be presented. You know, there might be, you know, an issue. This seems to be happening and we can just get to the matter of, you know, the who, what's and, and all of that. I didn't come here to get anybody fired. I just came to clarify and make sure everybody had correct information about how things are supposed to get done. Right on. Uh, let's see. I was going to try. I'll see if I can get in one report because I have so many of them. I'll see if I can get in one report and then we'll uh, get to folks who dialed in. Uh, let's see. Whoa, man. Uh, okay, first one. A couple of things really stood out so far this week at my workplace. A suspect, this is a non-white female, a suspected racist woman sent several of us, co-workers classified as both white and non-white, via company email, a photo, oh, we got the image, I was surprised she used this medium to send this image, which in my view, normalizes excessive alcohol consumption, white culture, I'll tell you what the uh, image says, so the image that she passed around, it says, if you have to choose between drinking wine every day, or being skinny, which would you choose, red or white? Debauchery. Debauchery. Okay, continuing. Uh, I didn't think about this so much, and then another incident occurred around alcohol. Several suspected racists made mention of a desire to drink alcohol, presumably to consume so much that they are drunk. These mentions were in passing in a group setting. None were directed to me. I am a female classified as black. Specifically, during this discussion, a suspected racist woman indicated that her youngest child recently enrolled in college and therefore she and her suspected racist husband can now do whatever they want, including drinking whiskey in the living room. Another suspected racist woman chimed in and the two began to talk about the best way to deceive adults if a person not of legal age to drink wants to plan a drinking party. This week, I also noticed in my local area signs on the highway about not driving while intoxicated and ads on my internet browser about this as well. Interesting timing of all of these events just this week. Alcohol, whites, always a bad combination. Uh, that might be something that you put in your workplace dossier. If they are forwarding these images on company email. Now, I do know other people. I think uh, Chantel, she's participated in many discussions on workplace racism uh, before. That is something that she has raised. Uh, she had coworkers 
on a job. Uh, these were suspected race soldiers. They had a habit. This was their uh, this was their thing. They loved to send around all these inappropriate images. Uh, on the company email to lots of folks, and they would include her. Uh, it wouldn't even be if you were in on the prank. They would just send them to tons of folks. And she went to management and asked, is this appropriate? And then they sent out a big uh, email to everyone that, you know, this is not supposed to be. Same thing. You employ the same technique. You don't have to go and, you know, good Ted and such and such. You can just go in and ask, you know, sending around these sort of images, and you don't even have to attach it to the email. You can just print out the image and say, you know, I got this as a forwarded email, is this, you know, the sort of thing that's acceptable for company policy and let them tell you. But uh, that's the sort of thing that you can put in your dossier. You can print out the image or save a copy of the email uh, and save it. If this has been ongoing, uh, the sending of inappropriate uh, images uh, and you, like I said, you just want to bring it up. Is this appropriate? Is this in accordance with policy and procedure? I'm always a fan of checking the policy and procedure yourself. Uh, so you already know exactly if they do have explicit policy you already know what it is on this matter when you go to ask but yeah you can uh, just save i don't know if this is one that would require like immediate uh action uh, especially it doesn't seem like you were being the person who wrote this i'm talking about doesn't seem like she was being uh directly mistreated uh but i would definitely file it away and just make note uh might even be something all if they're having all of this alcohol consumption on the job it's been my experience if there's this much talk about drinking on the job, some of these people are consuming on the job or planning uh, on consuming on the job. It's very, you've got folks that are talking about ways of, of tricking people if you're not of legal age to consume, and you could do that anyway. They're probably having some conversations about how we can consume on the job, and people won't even know that we've had our little sip and are going about our business. I will stop there, see if I can get in more as we continue. The number again, 641-715-3640, and the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. And again, uh, hopefully, folks will not be spectating. I know it's been a while since we have been on, but this is not the broadcast for spectators. I don't know if uh, Thursday Night TV is back uh, with Shondaland and Grey's Anatomy and all of that. I don't know if that has started back yet, but if, if it has not, this is not the time to just kick back and be entertained. That's not what this is about. If you are a non-white person, black person, anywhere in the world, if you've had a job, if you have a job, I'm very sure you can participate in a conversation on workplace racism. Folks who dialed in with a hand up, line should be open. Proceed. Have you heard? Yes, sir. Greetings, Thomas in New York. Greetings, Mr. Gus. How are you, sir? Um, I have a couple of workplace racism incidents. One of them is just... Um, a story. The other one is what I'm asking for some advice on. Um, the story, uh, as I tell you, I work in the hospital, and um, the racism isn't just workplace racism. It's just overall racism. So I go outside um, the other night to speak to a former coworker who I was told was outside the building. And I went outside and spoke to him. And... Um, as I was, you know, talking to him, my phone rang, and it was someone from the show. 
um, that I speak to on the phone. So I, you know, proceeded to speak to this gentleman. And um, as I, I went and sat down on a, a transistor box, you know, outside the hospital, and I saw a black female pass me, and she came and sat on the benches which were right next to this transistor box. So when I got up to leave, the black female said, excuse me, sir. And so I stopped, and I looked at her face, and she looked very um, serious, very disturbed, you know. So I, you know, put the guy on hold and said yes, and she asked me if she could use my phone for an emergency purpose. So... I told the, the, the brother, you know, listen, bro, I'm going to call you right back. I'm going to let this lady use my whole phone. I'm thinking, you know, let me exude some black self-respect here. So either way, I gave her the, I, well, before I gave her the phone, I opened up the, the thing so you could dial the pad, you know, the dial pad. And um, I handed her the phone, and she went and sat back down on the bench. And then she leaned back, forced her legs, hit the button to get out of the phone dial pad, opened up YouTube, started watching the video. So at this point, I'm like, yo, what are you doing? I got to get back to work. She said, oh, I'll give your phone back to you when I'm finished watching the video. So I snatched my phone from her. So I go into the building, and I tell, you know, black security guard what happened, so he's laughing at me. So you didn't realize she didn't have no shoes on? I said, I guess I didn't look down. He said, she's been walking around here. They discharged her, and she's been walking around the hospital for three days. So I said, really? You know, three days? She sleeps on the bench, and then she gets up, walks around all day, goes back, sleeps on the bench. And I, 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 you know, I guess I didn't really take a good look at her, you know. I just looked at her face. So I go out later that evening, and um, this was, I presume, Tuesday. Um, no, no, this was Monday. I apologize. And um, she's standing in the middle of the grass while the sprinklers is on, just getting soaking wet, like totally certified, you know, you know, need some help, but they're not helping her. So um, I go back to work yesterday, and she's still walking around the building. But if that's not about the most racist thing that you could think that, I mean, this girl obviously is, needs help. But y'all have her walking around the building barefoot with the same clothes on for up to upwards of now, like seven days, and not putting her in the hospital. I think that just shows just how huge this problem we have is. Uh, my my one I would, wanted to ask for help on was uh, a white female in particular, a tech at work. She keeps, you know, like you, you, when I work in a certain department, I work with her, and you know, generally she'll tell me, you know, do this or do that, and I have to do it. But when I'm not in that department, I don't have to work with her. So I find that she has that look like she wants to tell me, you know, to do something. But she, she always asks me first now, what department are you in? Before she asks me. And I just feel like I shouldn't have to tell you nothing. You should, you know, look to find who's in the department with you. And I'm trying to think of a nice way to say that because you're only asking me that so you can see if I'm a person you should be bossing around. And I'll meet my line. Huh. Okay, just to make sure we're clear on the second one, the one that you were asking for assistance, she's asking you for information and you feel like the only reason that she's asking you this information is to see if you know it and then I can boss this person around if he knows the information. Is that, did I misunderstand? Um, no, to say if I'm working in that department mm -hmm. and um, someone 
threw up on the floor or, you know, had an accident or it's blood on the floor, they'll say, you know, oh, come get me. So can you go clean that up in this room and I'll go do it or whatever. Mm. However, uh, sometimes if I'm not in that department, and the rule everyone knows is if you you only work where you're supposed to work, you know, you don't, you know we have a unit. So if I'm not in that department, she can't ask me to do those things, and she generally can't find the person that's there. But what I find is that when I see her anywhere in the building, she now wants to ask me, hey, Thomas, what department are you in? It's like, why? You know, you know are you looking for the guy who's not there? Because I know he, he disappears. Or are you trying to see if I want to help you? I just feel like she shouldn't be asking me that. Like, if I'm not, if you don't see me in your department, don't ask me what department I'm in. I see. I see. Yeah, that's a tough one. Because I, I can see where if you, if you <laughs> kind of respond in that manner or anything that even sounds like it's just getting to the truth of the matter, that this shouldn't be a concern uh, where she might try and make, a, make an issue of it. Um, I don't know, folks that are uh, listening in, do you have a a way that you would respond, a way that you would craft words that you could respond to this where, I guess, is the goal to get her to maybe stop asking this eventually? Would that be best? Yeah, because you know what? Um, the Filipino texts, they do the same thing like, you know, they did, and I ignored them, and then they stop asking, but this is a white woman, so she's going to get an answer. Thomas, excuse me, I know you hear me talking to you, um, like, I don't have to answer to you, you know, like, I'm not, you're not my boss, I'm not working with you today, I'm not, you know, you, you know, I, I just feel like it's, it's, it's like a, a racist situation. Definitely, definitely. Um, any of the folks that are listening in have a suggestion, recommendation on maybe how they would respond to this white woman? Uh, and I guess with the ideal goal being hopefully getting her to stop asking this question um i don't know this might be also have a thought in mind this might be one where it's just part of being in the system of white supremacy where you might have to answer the question i had that thought as well but we'll see if folks have any any uh possible responses uh ways of deflecting this so we can get this stopped any any suggestions trying to get the folks with hands can i be heard yes sir ross uh how's it going this is oh sorry Um, (laughs) he did sound like ross for a second though he got me he got me he did sound a lot like (laughs) i'm sorry sir it's all right it's all right um how's it going thomas how are you guys right poorly but better than before right poorly what I would do in this situation, uh, this kind of reminds me about my job. And in our different departments, they have uh, these things called charge codes. So you get paid through your department. So if I'm working, say, in the cafeteria, I can't do janitor work. So um, because I'm not being paid through the janitorial department. So, I, you know, I think a good way to do it would be just to explain to her that uh, you're not part of her department, you know, today, or, you know, you just like in these situations, it, it's to me, I, I, I've experienced that it's, it's better just to be upfront about the reason and just say, Hey, I'm not in your department today and I can't uh, do that task. And then, you know, as long as you're, as you're within the policy and procedures, 
I feel like, you know, of course, suspected racists, they can kind of do whatever, but at the same time, that just might be um, a risk you might have to take and just tell her, hey, um, I'm not in your department today. I can't really do that, or I have other work to do. Sorry. And see, see where it goes. And I'm, I'm done, and I'll mute my line. If you say... Can I be heard? Yes, sir, big victim. I just wanted to get one point of clarification uh, with the previous caller. If if you say that to this white woman, like, uh, I'm not working uh, in your department today, so I'm not going to be able to help out with any tasks. And she says, oh, oh, Thomas, I, I wasn't going to ask you for any tasks. I just want to know where you were working at today. What's your follow-up? Mm. I'll just tell her. But I don't know the context of, I don't know the full context of situation um i heard some of it but you know i feel like uh there could be in their organization um there could be a lot of cross um organizational communication in a way so him saying that could end up being bad just on how the company's structured i'm not entirely sure it sounds like a hospital so it sounds like it shouldn't be too much of an issue especially since uh, the way I've seen hospitals work, I'm not an expert, but it seems like everyone generally sticks to their assigned roles. So um, I think, you know, just, hey, just tell her what department you're in today. And then you, and then I guess the more you do it and she might just lay off and not uh, bother you as much because she'll realize that, okay, I can't keep doing this because I'm not going to do it. Huh. Uh, oh, just for clarity for the guy because he didn't seem all clear I, maybe I wasn't as clear this lady works in the emergency room and if I work in the emergency room I'm the housekeeper for the emergency room so therefore she can tell me you know what, what's problems inside the emergency room however any, anywhere else out that she sees me working it's obvious I'm not working in the emergency room so she comes to the 6th floor and sees me She's, hey, Thomas, what are, you, what are you working today? It's like, it's almost like I'm not working with you. Why do you care where I'm working today? Like, you, you don't care. You're white. You know, you know like, you're, you're going to vouch for me or come help me work? Like, I just feel like it's, it's a question I shouldn't have to answer. Hmm. Okay, I see what you mean. Hmm. I don't know what to say in that situation. Um, Might have to answer kind the question. Of, I guess, how you feel. Go ahead. I was just. Hello. Oh, we had a female. I know we heard you as well, big victim. Uh, if you can give me one second, the female. Did you have a suggestion for Thomas in New York? Yes. Um, I'm sorry he's going through this. Um, I was thinking that maybe Thomas could just point, like, say to her, you know, I feel disrespected when you uh, ask me that question, um, and it bothers me, and. Uh, in addition to what the gentleman just suggested, and if she continues, he could conti- he could document every each time she uh, bothers him about that, and then he could, if he wanted to, he could raise it possibly with his supervisor as a as a harassment claim. What do you think of that, Thomas? Um, I, well, I, everything is good, but the harassment claim, but definitely I can, I can't say it back to her 
Um, the, the dilemma I have in saying that to this one particular female is um, she she's not a like a you know she, I don't I I don't dislike the female I just you know I just feel like you you're only asking me this because you you have things you want done in your department and you know you I I, I see what you're saying but to try to go through my management harassment and stuff like I could just go to the union and they could talk to her but I don't want to cause any you know, I don't. I want to say it in a way where she doesn't take it personal, and we could just continue to work the way we have been. Where right. you know, she's not trying to snake me or say anything, you know, derogatory about me to management. You know, and I, I same with her. But I get your point definitely. Oh, okay. Well, I hope it all works out. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your suggestions. Big victim. Did you have a suggestion for Thomas? Um, yes, um, Thomas, I would, I'll pull it, I'll wait till I get her somewhere alone and, and look her in the eye and tell her, will you leave me alone? And I'll keep it moving. But, but I don't know what, I don't know how, what the creator kind of look the creator blessed you with. I got a, I got a look, I got a crazy look about myself. So I usually once I you know, something like that, I pull them to the side and tell, Will you will you leave me alone? And keep it pushing. Thank you for letting me share. Yes, sir, big victim. It did seem like from the, the previous the female caller suggestion that seems like he's kind of trying to not make it an antagonistic situation, uh, where she has now a vendetta. Uh, I think that man, if you can avoid it, uh if you can keep a white woman on the job from having a vendetta against you, that would probably be best. <laughs> but yeah, I think he is trying to, uh, I think cause he, it seems like at least they're able to work and get along reasonably. Okay. Uh, for the time period. So he's trying to make sure that doesn't get damaged while getting this resolved. If he can, where he can, you know, stop this, having her check up on him to find out where he's working at every day. Uh, do we have any, any other suggestions for Thomas in New York about how he can uh, deal with this situation? Other suggestions for Thomas in New York? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, greetings to you, Gus. Um, greetings to Thomas and to all the other callers and listeners. Um, I had a question for you, Thomas. Um, in regards to the when you're when you have a particular department that you're working in is that something that's posted where other department uh heads or other people from other departments can see who's working in what department each night absolutely the real lives is here <laughs> absolutely oh. uh, um yeah we we have a paper that tells each person their specific um job duties and that gets given to each, you know, so she's in the emergency room, the head nurse in the emergency room gets that, the head of discharge gets that, you know, all the heads get that, so they can beef us, and, you know, to the appropriate places they need us. So okay. um, she could access that. I just think that she's just being racist. Absolutely. Um, I was going to ask, does she ask you where, what department you're working in on the nights that you work in the emergency room? If she sees me with a broom and a mop in the emergency room, she'll still ask me, what department are you working in? And I'm like, you see me in the, in the emergency room, obviously I'm here. But, you right, know, right. 
I can't, you know, but I just think it's just her, that control mechanism that white people have. Like, you know, you must know where our Negroes are at all times. Absolutely. It's it's an ownership thing. They think they own you, so they can just, you know, ask you any question they want and you're obligated to answer. I was going to ask, do you have, like, meetings where she's in the meeting with you all? Nah, she's a whole nother department, a whole nother management, yeah. Okay. What I wanted to ask or say is maybe you can ask, is that normal procedure for someone from any department to ask uh, a worker every single day what department they're working in, especially in a situation where, you know, hey, my, my job duties for any given night are posted, it's disseminated throughout the company, so all a person has to do is take a look at the proper, you know, screen or the proper um, paperwork, and they can see where I work without having to ask me every t- single time they see me. Is that like normal department procedure for someone to do that? I would ask something like that. Is that normal procedure? Is that something that happens to everyone? Does everyone in my position get asked this question on a daily basis by everyone? Because you're the only person that asked me this, and I just want, I'm just wondering what's the purpose behind you asking me that? I would maybe approach it that way. I wouldn't give any indication that she's annoying you because more than likely she's doing it to agitate you. So as soon as you let her know by telling her, you know, it's bothersome or it's bothering me, then that emotion, that makes it more of an emotional situation. Whereas if you ask, hey, is that company policy to be, you know, asked every single day what department I'm in? And because I'm experiencing that, but it's only with one person, if that's the case, I don't know if that's true, but, you know, I'm only experiencing this with one person and I'm wondering, is that, is that normal company policy? You know, I don't see that in the manual. You know, I know you've gone through your manual. So I just, I just want to ask that question. Why you keep asking me this on a regular basis? Um, you know, cause it's throwing off my work there. I'm trying to get stuff accomplished in the department I'm in. And this throws off my, my attention from what I need to focus on in order to do a good job where I'm assigned for the night. You know what I mean? Something like that, where it's not, it's not indicating any sort of agitation. It's not uh, indicating any any annoyance. It's more of a company policy thing. Why is this a regular occurrence? I don't experience this regularly, except for whenever I you know pass by and or you pass by me in, in a different department. This is a question that's asked, and I'm just wondering how that works as far as company policy. I would maybe take that approach, um, and hopefully that'll put her in a situation where either she'll continue to do that and you can pop maybe try and move in a different direction to get it resolved or she might just get the hint and stop bothering you because it just doesn't make sense and everything you say um as far as that domination that control and um and like i said ownership they think they own us so it's um to me it's just almost like if uh uh, back in, in the antebellum days, you had a slave running an errand for the slave master, and then some other white person pulled them to the side to try and make them do an errand for them. But yet, yet you know, they were sent to do something for this other white person, and they're trying to dominate you just by questioning you in that way. So I, I don't know if that's helpful to you. I just think that's a better approach, the question approach. And just ask, is that something that's normal procedure? Um, and it, like I said, if you look in the manual and it says nothing about being asked what department you're in, then I would just address it that way. It's not in the manual, you know, why is this, you know, a normal occurrence here? And it, it basically is taking my attention away from my duties for the evening. So that'll be the approach essentially is that it's stopping you from doing stuff that you're assigned to do to answer your question, that kind of thing. So thank you. I'll mute my line. I appreciate that, Roz. Uh, any other suggestions for Thomas in New York? Anybody else have a thought on how he can deal with the 
uh, questioning white woman in the uh, hospital setting? Can I be? Uh, retired firefighter in Florida. Good to hear from you, sir. Greetings, everyone. Uh, it it sounds very much like to me that this white woman is very much aware of what she's saying and what she's doing. Uh, and, and I don't think that there is no way possible with a white person uh, like this, who is obviously it's it's harassing you. I'm just I'm just coming from uh, my uh, experiences uh, that I've observed uh, while I was working. Uh, that is a very similar situations, and white people just about on every job do this. Uh, uh, as far as individual white people uh, do do this. And she is very much aware of what she's doing. So I don't think that there's any way that that uh, one can, uh, uh, in a nice way, so to speak, uh, uh, tell her anything that she's not going to assume that you are aware of what she is attempting to do. It's kind of like, in one part, she's harassing you and bullying you you know, daring that you, uh, say anything about it. It doesn't make, I don't think it does. I don't think it matters on how nice you say it, how, uh, crafty, uh, of language. Uh, the whole idea is she wants to hustle you, bully you, uh, and, and she's going to do it every opportunity that she gets. Uh, she probably, uh, with some others, and I'm specifically talking about white people, uh, is is not able to do that with with uh, with white people, uh, uh, so to speak. So uh, they look for they definitely look for non-white black people, male and female, uh, as prey, so to speak. Uh, my my solution would be to go directly to her and state that. That's what I would do. Sometimes, sometimes, I mean, sometimes if you want things to stop, you, you have to take a chance. You have to take a chance on it. I don't see, I don't see within the policy and procedures by informing a person in that way that they suspect that, you know, I suspect that you are uh, harassing me. Uh, why do you feel that you have to uh, uh, ask me that? Uh, every other day or however often you, 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 I'm not in your situation that you know better than I do. And, uh, I don't, you know, I mean, she have, if she has a vendetta, well, she has a vendetta. Uh, I mean, there's going to be some trouble on, on, in the workplace with white people anyway, is what I'm saying. Uh, so you just try to minimize it. And, and, and speaking of minimizing something, uh, just by telling that person, uh, directly, uh, that I think, I think, you know, that's, I would do. I've had similar situations. Thank you. Appreciate that retired firefighter. Thanks for the fight. Oh, I, while he was talking, I was just thinking, do you think it would be appropriate if I was to, uh, you know, maybe, uh, sarcastically beat her to the punch? Nope. I'm not working with you today when I see her and, um, keep it moving. Like, um, you know, because I think if I go to direct, this is a crier, 
I've seen her cry several times at the workplace. Last thing I want is to be the black guy who made her cry. I just, I, you know, I just want to make it like just go as smooth as possible. I don't want to confront her because I can see it. She's the only. It's only two white techs in the whole overnight. So she, um, she, she'll have all non-white people jump into her defense like it was no tomorrow. I just would rather not have that conflict at all with her. Just to eliminate it, you know, without having, I think if I saw, do you think if I sarcastically say that a couple of times, she'll get the hint and just leave it alone, or uh, you think she'll continue? That, that question be. was to me? Oh, I'm sorry. I guess, I guess it was to Gus. Go ahead. I thought it was in general. <laughs> yeah, it was to oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. My quick thought would just be, yeah, that might work. Be preemptive about it. Uh, you might not even need to add the sarcasm. You, if it's going to be a kind of greet or acknowledge, but you're continuing to walk like your feet keep moving in the direction that you're going. Oh, yeah. You know, hey, hey, Alan, I'm not working down there with you all today. See you, uh, you know, next week or whenever I'm on the schedule. Yeah, I'm not working down there today. Catch you later and keep it moving. That might work. If you do that a few times, uh, that that might help nip it in the bud. Uh, I was also thinking with the question route, you could even ask her if she checks in with other folks to see if they're working with no follow-up. Just curious. <laughs> like there's no issue on uh, on one of the days when you're working down there. You could just ask if she, if she checks in to see what department other folks are working in and see what she says that might be enough to get her to, to stop asking that question and it's not escalating it to involving other people and that sort of thing like this is a, a major major issue other folks have have thoughts handling it that way preemptive uh, i would say um like i said i i agree with firefighter i'll be that you got them type like that you gotta be uh direct and uh actually what's wrong with it? why are you why you keep? Why do you keep asking me this question every day? But by herself, I pull it to the side. So she she start crying. I'll just, I'll just walk away from and play crazy. Like I don't know what's wrong with this woman. Thanks for letting me share. Any other retired firefighter? Anybody else uh, want to respond to uh, Thomas's thought of of just being preemptive and telling her he's not working there? working in her department for the day can i be heard yes sir yes i think that's a great idea um to be preemptive um kurt and then just keep moving don't give her time to you know say anything else just yep that's the case keep it moving i think that's a, a great idea passive least resistance um and she she wouldn't really be inclined to take it any further than that because you're answering the question long before she answers it and i think that other idea too you know when they're alone, is that something that, you know, that, that you, that you do, do you report to everyone, what department you're working in or whatever the case may be? Oh, just a question. I think that's brilliant. So those two approaches I think are great. Um, so I'll meet my line, but I think those, those are great ideas. Any last thought before we transition, see if other folks have commentary for Thomas in New York, any last thought? Oh, Gus, before you transition, I just wanted to say I sent you a video on Grimstone Tower. And I don't know if you saw it. It was a news clip I saw today. But, um, just to show that most of all those victims were black, that video will prove it. 
It's a short, short news clip. I sent it to you. If you get a chance, check it out. Spectacular. Much obliged. Context of white supremacy. Number again, 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star six if you would like to participate. Uh, other folks have commentary they wanted to share? Well, yes, ma'am. We can hear you. Hi. Um, thank you uh, for having me on. Um, I'm dealing with um, something similar uh, to the gentleman who just spoke. Um, I work in a, a very um, more diverse environment, but it's still, you know, predominantly white. Um, and we have teams that we have to work with. Um, what I'm noticing for me is a lot of um, microaggressions, um, a lot of exacting of control by people who aren't in a position of leadership, um, but they have a commonality of, um, you know, the whiteness. They join. They definitely join together. Um, the one thing um, I've noticed it has increased uh, because I am. Um, unapologetically um, black. I don't. I don't go out of my way to. Um, I, I got to find the word to say this. I'm very respectful. I perform my duties, um, but I don't go out of my way to um, try to earn extra unnecessary approval um, from, you know, my other um, my colleagues. And what I've been dealing with probably for the last week or so is almost like um, a tag team amongst the, the, the white women of my group. It's almost like they're trying to put me in my place or humble me. Um, and what I'm starting to experience is um, a lot of uh, frustration because I can't, I can't really directly prove what they're doing. Um, but the, the thing is, is the, um, the management of my group, they're all really clicky. Um, they all, you know, come together and I'm just experiencing this dynamic of having a lot of frustration, um, and feeling isolated. And even a lot of times the black people in my group, I noticed that they, it's almost, um, I know there's one young lady in my group who almost seems like a pet to the manager. Um, and then a lot of the black males, it's almost like some of the white women will speak with them or do stuff in front of me to kind of make me feel a certain kind of way. So what I'm trying to figure out is, um, you know, part of me wants to just be over it and just and leave, but I have to think logically because I'm trying to, um, establish something for um, my, some stability and uh, income so I can go back into my own business. Um, but I know I'm starting to deal with a lot of um, frustration of what's happening, and I want to be careful how I approach it because I don't want to look like the angry black woman because almost, that almost seems to be the response that they're trying to um, provoke out of me. And I don't know what channels I can take because 
you know, everybody over me is white. And like I said, they all have kind of a friendship relationship. So I really don't feel like there will be safety in going over because, you know, sometimes they'll just have conversations about just general stuff. So you know that there's a relationship um, beyond the work. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm just trying to figure out how I can manage my emotions and try to stay focused on my job and, you know, how do you prove microaggressions? How do you prove um, little slights that are, you know, indirect, but they're so frequent that they're, they're really starting to, you know, um, it, it takes, when I leave, I, I shut it down, but it's almost like when I'm going into work, I feel like I have to be prepared, you know, for battle. That should be the mentality that all of us have. Racism, white supremacy is war. And when you are going to the office, I've heard Mr. Fuller and many others say that you are going behind enemy lines. So make no mistake about it. That is exactly uh, what it is every day for how many ever, if it's 40 hours or whatever your weekly schedule is. Um, I think at least for me in terms of workplace racism, one thing is is being very specific about what's happening. I know you said it's been uh, lots of microaggressions and slights. Like what specifically are they doing to you? I know you said also a sense of being isolated. Like what, what are some of the specific things that are happening? So um, there, uh, there are two, I'm actually seated between um, two, um, two of the white women and I'm 35. They're, they're actually younger than me, but I'm, you know, I look young. I don't, but um, a lot of time they'll give unwanted advice. It's almost like they're teaching me or trying to tell me what to do when I'm already equipped. I haven't asked for the help. Um, you know, it's it's like a like it's an intrusion into my space, and then um, I will. Sometimes, you know, I, I I know how to be direct and get my point across. Um, and let them know, you know, I really need you to just kind of leave me in, alone. Uh, there was one instance where the young lady put her hand on me. And, you know, I just let her know, I don't like to be touched, you know. And I was, you know, bothered that you, I didn't say, I, I just let her know, I don't like to be touched. I said it in a respectful way. Um, you know, I, I just let her know I have issues with my boundaries. Um, and she just kind of, you know, looked, you know, a little surprised about it. Um, but like today, the one leaned over and, you know, I hadn't even eaten anything. I had just brought some food up and I set it on my desk. It was in a container. We're allowed to have closed containers on our desk. And then she leaned over and um, the one girl said, well, be careful about eating, you know, because they're, you know, they've said something about that. And she just, and I was just like, you know, thank you for letting me know that. But I wasn't even in the act of eating. And then the other young lady um, leaned over and, sh and she made a comment to something that um, I had gotten, uh, I didn't get in trouble for it. It was something that we weren't allowed to do, but I had never been informed that we were allowed to do it. And so instead of the manager of the group directly telling me this, she just kind of sent out a general email, but I knew it was directed at me because I, you know, I did that thing. And so the other young lady leans over and says, well, we're not allowed to have headphones in either. <laughs> and I'm just, it was almost like they were tag teaming me um, 
letting me know all the stuff I couldn't do. And, you know, I was like, <laughs> thank you for that. You know, and I, but I, I hadn't asked anything. I hadn't talked to anyone. I hadn't bothered anyone. Um, and they just kind of, and so I just kind of said, you know, and this may have been, but this was, and I didn't say it, you know, sassy or anything. I said, you know, I'm very aware of the policy, basically. Um, I think what would be best is if we all focus on what we are on our own, what we're doing, each one of us are doing, and we should be fine, you know. And um, from that point, they just kind of got kind of, I could tell the one was offended. Um, they began whispering to each other. Um, I noticed when I was coming down the aisle, the one kind of looked at me and they stopped and turned their heads. And I was just like, you know, I'm a big girl. Um, you know, I can handle a lot, but that's just a small example of some of the stuff that happens. Um, I just noticed that the supervisor of the group, she becomes very dry with me. Um, the manager of the group is uh, just not as helpful, and I can tell I'm not. And I'm, and it may sound like I'm just like I'm alone or I'm left out, but I'm confident it's because I'm not um, I'm not assimilating to the unnecessary behaviors. Um, and so, like I said, that's kind of hard to prove when they're not, you know, basically calling me uh, in word or directly saying what they're doing. But when you're encountering it over and over and over again. Um, it just starts to become a problem. So, like you said, being specific, I mean, for me to write something like that down to a supervisor, you know, they would need me to prove it. Do you get what I'm saying? And, and of course, I, I feel like the managers are, no, you know, it'll just make it, make it seem like I'm imagining it or I'm, you know, overanalyzing it. Um, but I'm very aware of what I'm experiencing. Hmm. Okay. That is helpful. Um, I think, number one, that is super, super common. Uh, I'm sure lots of people that are listening uh, live or to the archives right now can attest to uh, having whites come in. And, you know, we are going to, to verbally point out anytime any infraction that you make with regards to policy and procedure. Uh, we'll make that one of our uh, passing amusements uh, for the day. I think lots of people have experienced that, unfortunately. Um, those that way of practicing racism, the just small things to annoy you. It's been my experience that what really excites race soldiers who are doing that is when the black person responds. Uh, I think folks have heard me over the years. I've mentioned chimp out racist. They love that. Can we get this black person upset? Can we get them riled up and yelling and fuming and run their blood pressure up like Oh, my goodness, that will just make our day uh, if we can get them riled up. And I think myself and quite a few others, I don't know if other people here can attest to, but when you stop responding, even if they're pointing out, you know, everything that you're doing. Oh, thanks, Ellen. And you just keep on moving. You know, the headphones, whatever, fine. You take them off and keep on moving uh, about your day and you're just not even responding. I've seen and I've found personally where they will just stop doing that. I think Mr. Fuller has talked even the N-word since that was mentioned, being called a nigger on the job and not even responding to that, that they just stopped doing it. 
Um, and I, I found that to be pretty consistent uh, with white people. In fact, that that will bother them more. Uh, a black person who is not responding that it seems like they can't get to, uh, that will really pique their interest. Like, wow, this is really a strange negra uh, that we have here. We can't seem to get them shaken. Uh, with those type of things, I would just, as you said, when that would be for me, that would be a part of my preparation for going into war. Uh, I know they're going to be waging war against me and making these sort of comments. That's another reason why I encourage everyone read the policy and procedure. That way you already know what you can, what you can't do. You're informed and you can just apply that as you go throughout your day. And then if they want to make those type of comments, like you were saying, oh, you're violating the policy here or she coming up and uh, putting her hand on you, like you said, and you did say something about that, which I think is great. All of us should be doing that. If you all of us really should be in the no touch category, we should all have boundary issues uh, on the job under racist white supremacy. But uh, you said something great and she took it some kind of way. I would just be consistent with that as well. But I would expect that uh, for them to come in and try to do those sort of things to uh, get you agitated. And I would just really that would be my task to make sure that I'm not responding. Um, I don't know. Did other other folks have suggestions uh, to what we've heard from the young lady in terms of these whites on the job being uh, annoying, making these comments to her? Uh. Can I be heard? <clears throat> yes, sir. Retired firefighter. That that sort of behavior out of white people is is uh, I'm going to I'm going to use a metaphor, a uh, cornerstone of of their practice of racism in a refined way. It's quite difficult. It, it almost it doesn't matter in my mind. It doesn't matter on what type of job you're on. That's what they do. Uh, so therefore, uh, what I would suggest to the caller is to uh, is to expect it for one thing, and find personal uh, antidotes when you're not working uh, to strengthen yourself. To strengthen yourself, and you know, as you uh, know that okay, this is my work day. That you you go in, you go in the door prepared prepared psychologically and mentally as best as you can uh, that for that eight hours or 10 hours or however long you work, that you, that's something that you're going to, that that's, that's to be expected is what I'm saying. Uh, uh, and uh, basically, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's basically is, is, is what I would do in that situation. I mean, once again, it's, it's, it's some, it's, it's something that I experienced at uh, a uh, some play, uh, well, most of the places as far as stations that I worked at, uh, I would, I did have somewhat of a of a uh, break uh, in the uh, in the uh, the war action uh, because some stations where I worked at, it it depends on what what day, what shift that I was on at that particular point in time that you had allies around you. And I'm not talking about just from the standpoint on time I would see these non-white black people would be at work. We would see each other when we were off duty and we would be engaged in experimentation and also activities that we were attempting counter-racism. So that's what helped me through, through that process, similar to what I'm listening uh, to the caller stating. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. 
appreciate that, retired firefighter. Uh, other folks uh, have uh, suggestions, recommendations. Uh, young lady, black female, she's having uh, whites on the job. They're making kind of snide uh, remarks. Not anything, at least she didn't share, not anything overtly racist, but as she stated, kind of putting her in her place, so to speak. Any other suggestions? Uh, can you still hear me? Yes, ma'am. Um, well, thank you, uh, firefighter. And I should have mentioned, um, my name is Diane, uh, by the way. Um, and that just kind of affirms what I have been doing, um, and you the host as well. Um, it just kind of affirms it and I kind of dig my heels in. And, um, and like you said, I, I, I kind of bury myself in my station and, um, just focus on my work as much as possible. Um, but what I can say, um, <clears throat> The thing, and this is more of a comment, the thing that hurts me the most is with the um, with the white people, I'm learning to expect behaviors from them. Um, but it's just, you know, when you see your brothers and sisters, I'm inclusive in it. And I don't know if it's probably um, a protective uh, mechanism they've developed Um that's the one thing that is more of a challenge to me. And um, as the fire uh, fighter said, um, I guess I don't know if it's just in my community. I don't know if, I, if I'm not networking correctly, but, uh, correctly. Um, but I haven't been able to really connect with a strong black community. So I found this station because I'm actually, you know, I'm Googling how do I get connected? How do I communicate um, these views and, and these experiences? Um, so outside of work, I'm, I don't really have that that fortress. Um, so I, I mean, that was more of a comment, you know. Um, if there, um, it just to me, it speaks to my heart to try to unify more with my brothers and sisters in the workplace, even if it's as something as small as when I walk past them, I make sure I acknowledge them, I make sure I give them a smile, um, because I know we can't communicate as much in work, but I guess. I'm just um, just in 2017 to see um, so many of our brothers and sisters still assimilating with that side for protection, um, almost to the point where they would, um, you know, allow you to take that as long as they're not experiencing it. Um, that that's a challenge that that I face as well. Well, can I be heard? Yes. Yes. Um, Yes, uh, I would be very careful uh, about the, with the, the talking about racism with black people at work um, or trying to. Um, I've had bad experiences with that. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of black people suffer from white validation. And um, in the workplace, that's very prevalent, you know, to get a pat on the head from the master. Um, it's what a lot of people work for. And um, trying to find a community within the workplace to talk about racism and, and things like that is, is a very bad idea because um, most of the black people you work with are going to run to the white people and tell them what you're doing. So I would just be very careful with that. Absolutely. Uh, yes, Diane. <laughs> Hello, can I be heard? Big, big victim, proceed. 
Um, yes, Diane. How long have you been listening to the cows? Well, I just um, I found the Black Talk Radio. Um, so I listened to a different program the other day, but I saw, uh, you know, when I opened up my phone, it was on the page today, and I just scrolled through to see what was available. So this will be my first show uh, tuning in. But it's it's funny because he, um, the guest, uh, the host mentioned Nilly Fuller. I was actually listening um, to him today while while I was there. Um, but uh, is this is my first episode. This is that I'm aware of that I've ever heard. Um, but I know I'm just seeking, you know, that connection of people who are aware of what we are really facing and just trying to find a way to, you know, navigate through it. Um, and and to the gentleman who just spoke. Um, I'm, I'm, I spoke to a woman outside of work the other day, and I questioned if I should have did that because um, I, I did thought, you know, what if she goes back to work and expresses, you know, what I shared with her, um, you know, but I wouldn't think that I, I should have an issue because it was, you know, completely outside of work. I would hope I wouldn't, but, you know. I suggest that you... Um, study, listen to the cows, subscribe to Mr. Fox channel, and um, listen to prior episodes and study. Do some do, do some studying of the cows, and uh, so you you can uh, get a clear understanding of racism, white supremacy, and 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 so when you at work, they're not your um, brothers and sisters; they're victims. You got to be real careful with victims. Thank you for letting me share. Wowee. <laughs> Does my heart well to hear a listener uh, give out that suggestion uh, about calling other non-white people brothers and sisters. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I I would uh, I, I agree with that sentiment and give out that suggestion regularly. Uh, now, this is United Independent. If you're familiar with, the, uh, with Mr. Fuller's work, he's been a guest on this program many times. Uh, I certainly encourage uh, the United Independent method. Uh, we do not have consensus amongst people that have participated in our programs on workplace racism. Some of the black people here say, hey, uh, some of them here right now, Roz being one of them, uh, say, hey, if I see another black person on the job, uh, I will feel them out. If we establish a rapport, uh, I will bring up racism or just other constructive information to try to help them. Bravo. Great black self-respect. And we have a number of black people who've done that. We have others. Thomas in New York, Lashes, quite a few others who have said, hey. I've seen where this can be a problem, and that's totally logical. Absolutely. Many non-white people, we are confused. Whatever the, hey, if I go snitch and rat out this black person, maybe I get to keep my job a little bit longer. Pay for my cornbread, take care of my family for a little while longer. Totally logical. That's what the system of white supremacy means. Uh, With the previous uh, big victim, what he was saying, very important when you go to a job. I think I had that in the audio clip at the beginning of the broadcast this week with Mr. Uh, Edward Williams, also has been a guest on this program, where he was saying we really shouldn't be bringing up racism on the job, uh, even with other black people. Uh, We really should not be uh, doing that sort of thing. If you just want to talk about justice or things being done correctly, fine. But I would not do that. And, and I think as Thomas in New York said, I definitely would not think of uh, the work environment as a place where I'm looking for, quote unquote, black community. I think Mr. Fuller would even say and has written that such a thing does not exist uh, on the clock, off the clock, 
whatever the case, uh, anywhere on the planet, if you have white supremacy, you don't have a quote-unquote black community, but definitely not on the job. Uh, I mean, again, what do we mean when we say going behind enemy lines and this is war? Uh, this means everything could be a booby trap. Everything could be set up for a total catastrophe and to bring about your demise. So you have to be extremely careful. Uh, and a lot of people, a lot of times I would even say, hey, my conduct on the job, I'm going to have a code. This is how I function regardless of if my coworkers are non-white, white, whatever the case is. This is just how I function in the workplace so I can be consistent. And I know quite a few folks, that's pretty much the code that they have adapted because they've had one too many workplace issues where it was only non-white people involved with their problem, unfortunately. Uh, other uh, one more thing I wanted to speak to the guest also, I mean, uh, uh, Gus, is um, one is um, yeah, you'll never be able to prove racism in the workplace unless they outright call you nigger in front of people or something like that or send an email unless you have proof it's just impossible to prove they're going to go in there and play the victim um someone gave good advice earlier and i think that um you should follow it i've been in um, this type of situation before working sharing a desk with a white person and um ignoring white people is um the, the number one thing they hate if you just sat there, she's giving you advice, ignore her, move your hand at her, like, I don't even want to hear it, keep doing your work, you're like, you know, they, they can't take that, and they stop. Well, maybe that's what I'm experiencing, because that is what I'm executing, and, and maybe um, they're, they're, <laughs> they're right, raising the temp a little bit since... You know, what they're doing is not getting the response, and, and hopefully I'll get to the, the part where they just, you know, do leave me alone. Um, but, yes, every everything everyone has said just definitely reaffirms, um, you know, what, I, what I've been executing and, and what, I, what I observe of the situation. Wow. For, not just for you, Diane, uh, and I didn't even know you were a first-time caller. Bravo. Um, but yeah, if you want to check out some of the previous broadcasts on workplace racism, might be helpful uh, in hearing some how other people have dealt uh, with your type of problem. Uh, I think we've had a few of those pop up uh, since we've been doing workplace racism. Uh, but for you and the rest of the folks, Thomas, he was talking to us today, really anybody, uh, if you share a situation that you're dealing with, give us the update uh if you can you know call back next week or whatever it is next month if you don't have time but just give us the update because that's very helpful for us uh and seeing how these situations can be resolved where it works out constructively uh if you figure out hey i called in gus and them were talking crazy i'm not gonna do what they said i can i can use my brain computer and come up with my own logical counter-racist solutions a plus just let us know what you did and how it turned out that's great that way we can all kind of that way we can reflect compare and then moving forward say oh, okay this worked out well for thomas this worked out well for retired firefighter i can see if that'll work out well for me and with detail too as much detail as possible in terms of what you said or what you did and you know how folks responded um try and get in more emails as we proceed uh next person wrote in uh they said uh, oh, this is our young caller in the Bay Area. Uh, he said, I went back to school. I noticed how nobody really talked about the white supremacist rallies that happened on the 27th of, 27th of August. This was uh, going on out in Berkeley. And I felt like people didn't take the situation seriously. Maybe I'm wrong, but who knows? I also wanted to point out how 
people had a tendency to touch other people's hair, that being black females mainly. For example, one of my friends who is black and female came to school with this new style of hair that she rarely did uh, to herself. I took the liberty of noticing it from a distance and also pointing out that it looked nice. Great. Uh, but some other white person came up to her and immediately started touching my friend's hair and talked about how the structure of her hair and whatnot. We were both disturbed by this act. The white person came towards me and tried touching my hair, and I just said no and moved away from them. I honestly feel like black hair is nice, but it should not be abused in these ways. I always treat it like a museum that being i can look at the hair but i cannot immediately touch it without asking that is all i wanted to share great talking to young folks if you have offspring or just young people that you care about you spend time with talk to them about racism white supremacy in my view just the response is right there i don't know this young lady and i hope uh, that she has people that care about her in her life that can give her information so she can understand why these terrorists are coming up and doing this and touching her and abusing her and equip her with the skills so that she can totally neutralize that because it seemed like this was not something she was on board with or enjoyed it seemed like she also uh, had a problem with this uh his response our young scholar in the bay area his mom other people that care about him talking with him about racism white supremacy he's participated in this program oh no you're not going to touch my hair back up Outstanding. I think all of us, that's the goal. You don't just uh, study Mr. Fuller's work or Dr. Welsing or listen to this program or anybody else, Black Talk Radio Network. You don't do that just to, oh, okay, I checked that out. Great. They were talking about some cool stuff today. No, you get this so that you can make improvements. And in my view, what are those improvements? You have a better understanding of what it means to be white and what you can expect for them for eternity. Oh, okay. Well, then I can, I already know if this is going to change, I'm going to have to do some changing. So I already know I'm not stunned about any of this. I wouldn't care if it's a white five-year-old, a white 55-year-old, a white 155-year-old. I already expect them to be a terrorist. So I already got my defenses together. I'm already be watching what I say around them. I'm keeping an eye. I'm being alert when I'm around them. And I'm ready. If they do something, they come to violate my space. Whoa, whoa, back up. Don't touch me. You already have this together. And the same thing for the workplace. You're already prepared. So you have your words together, what you're going to say, or if it's a touching thing, because that's come up today, too. You already know I jerk away. I move back and boom, I already have my mind to say about please do not touch me in the workplace. Outstanding. We have other folks. Uh, if you have commentary, line should be open. Proceed. Yes, I would I would say uh with the advent of a person uh, being young, uh, it doesn't have to be young necessarily by age. But if your 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 spirit is is youthful, uh, that's the time to experiment. As as I think I heard you say, it's not it's not it's not just good enough just to listen to the cows or or read uh, Mr. Full's book or Dr. Welsing's uh, information. And book, uh, experiment with it. Experiment, experiment with it. If if you if 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 you are a type of person that 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 goes around uh, a lot, you know, maybe to uh, a, a, a coffee shop or something like that, and experiment by 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 developing a conversation with with white people, uh, if that's if that's possible. Uh, we certainly are in their in their presence a lot. 
uh, not just on in the workplace, but uh, in all just about excuse me a lot of different places. Experiment with it. Find out in that process on what works for you, what don't work for you, and you you begin to develop your 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 code your code of understanding that's unique for yourself. And what I have found out, what I found out, especially if your codification is based on logic, you're going to find yourself in the same company with other people who share that type of thinking and saying and thinking and doing. And that's one of the reasons why, uh, uh, the, the cows program is so important because that's basically what, what happened. I, I basically, when, whenever I listen to something, I'll put it on trial. And if it, if it sounds like it's in the same codified, uh, uh, understanding that I have based on logic, then I'm probably going to listen to it a little bit more. Uh, and, and in turn, if, they, if, if, if they are doing something, if someone is doing something, and, and I, first of all, I'm probably going to find myself in the same place with some other people who are, who have that thought process in common. And uh, so those, those things are very important. Uh, I, I like what you just got through saying. Thank you. Right on, right on. Uh, other folks, if you have uh, commentary, if you have your own situation that you would like to discuss, if you had comments for any of uh, what you've heard thus far, feel free, chime in. Hi, guys. Oh, my <laughs> I forgot. I'm so out of practice with doing workplace racism. I neglected to ring in Stacy from London at the beginning of the program. And she, with persistence, uh, rung me on Skype to remind me of my failure. So then I rung her in, but I forgot to announce that I did ring her in and she was with us so she could uh, participate. So glad to hear from you, Stacy. My apologies. No, no worries. And, and to be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't awake at the beginning. So um, I've, I've only just called in and I didn't realize I was connected for a second. So there's been a bit of a lag. Um, but um, yeah, hello. I love to hear and to everyone on the call. I I was listening to the first time call of the lady who was speaking not long ago. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I definitely fought for her because of the experiences and I understand the sort of microaggressions and the subtle behaviour that is so hard to um, qualify. Um, but I, you know, definitely she's not imagining it. And um, I, like has probably been said, um, definitely log those instances. One of the things I was going to say, though, is even though I agree that this is war, I do think what well, my advice would be to try not to, as you enter the workplace, put yourself in the frame of mind of being at war, because I think that sets you up for being very tense and anxious and in an emotional state. And so the microaggressions um, or rather just aggressive behavior actually in the racism, racist antics will affect you more regardless of how strong we think we are sometimes. Those, you know, putting yourself in that kind of frame of mind probably doesn't help your emotional state. So maybe rather than sort of going in thinking, all right, I'm now at war, obviously acknowledge that 
you're going to be encountering these experiences because they're very real but maybe trying to listen to some thing which is actually calming and sort of um you know meditation or whatever before you enter that building to set you up so that you are more relaxed and that you're not taking on board emotionally the stuff that you will encounter every day and i would definitely agree ignore them um because they are getting a reaction out of you and um they're feeding off of it um not everything needs to get a response but definitely log it um and the point about um speaking to non-white people about racism in the workplace I mean, I've probably on previous broadcasts definitely spoken about speaking to non-white people. My advice now is don't. Um, I don't care who it is, how close you think you are to them. There will be a point at which that can actually come back to you. And it's happened to me recently, even with a lot of the things that I'm dealing with. Um, uh, including having a director elbow me in the back and push past me. And w- I, I've spoken to people about that in the place. And one of the people recently who I spoke to is a non-white female has seen me in quite a distressed state and um, threw it back in my face very recently. Um, and uh, I'm pretty certain she has gone back to that director and told her exactly what I've been speaking about. And I'm in a position where um, some people will know that I'm going through a grievance process. I'm pretty certain that everything that has, I've dis- confided in this person about has gone back, uh, gone back to that director. Now, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm not overly concerned about that because I'm, as I said, I'm in the process of a grievance eventually she will know the detail of the grievance anyway um but in hindsight don't do it i'm not going to beat myself up about it because the fact is i was in such an emotional state because of you know the the behaviors are so extreme uh, and the treatment has been extreme um however you know i have over the last couple of months had so many non-white people in this organization who I do get on with and I, I still speak to them. Um, but they have, I can tell that they've been encouraged to get me to confide in them. And I've just sort of distanced myself, but still being really polite and friendly, but just not getting into any conversations and avoiding any um, opportunities for people to try and question me about why I'm not in my permanent team um, and anything that might even remotely be related to the uh, grievance process, etc. Um, so I'm going to stop there, Gus. I mean, I'll give a more detailed update a bit later. But yeah, that's just my immediate response to that first time caller. Wow. Stacy in London uh, calling us live. Let's see if my math is still accurate. 2.43 a.m. Friday morning. Uh, Stacy joining us for workplace racism. Um, very important. That's worldwide emphasize. She's in London worldwide. You just cannot have that sort of luxury to say, oh, this is a black person. They have some melanin and we share 
a cubicle or we share an office space together. So yes, I can, you know, chat it up with them. I think we've even had Kamisha M. Africa, one of our Florida residents, where she was saying that she shared some counter-racist literature with one of her coworkers, and that ended up coming back. They, had a, they just created a whole dossier and carried that to the white person uh, that was in charge or whoever the supervisor was. Oh, yes. And she's got all this subversive uh, reading material as well. You know, we need to get her out of here this week right now. I'll go get the boxes to help her move. Like uh, that is what the system of white supremacy produces. As uh, Stacy was saying, whether the non-white person is encouraged to rat out other non-white people or if they just do this voluntarily in the hopes that, you know, maybe this will get them in the good graces of racists. There has been a lot of that for centuries of white supremacy. So you just kind of have to keep that in mind, in my opinion. And again, not everybody takes that stance. We have some people who who acknowledge that, you know, all of that is true and logical, but they still make the effort to reach out to other black people that they work with. It just comes down to what you're more comfortable with, I guess, what risks you're willing to take. Uh, do we have other folks who had commentary they wanted to share? Um, this is Diane again. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to uh, thank Stacey uh, so much for her comments. Um, that was very encouraging because um, that—that is—I um, am aware of that. Um, I know. I know. I'm definitely at war, um, but I have been thinking, like, you know, how do I balance it um, so I don't reflect the tenseness or the um, like any emotional um, distress. So I've definitely been working on that. Um, I do want to make it clear, though, I've never discussed any uh, racist issues at work because I have listened to Millie Fuller for a while. Um, I am very aware of certain things, and I know that, um, you know, just uh, interactions with, um, you know, people of, uh, well, you guys have been saying non-white people um, can almost be more dangerous, Um, but I... I know, you know, I was kind of bottled up and I ran into the lady at the store and, you know, I did kind of beat myself up after it because typically that's not something that I would do. I know you have to be very careful with who you discuss, you know, your views and your experiences with and how. um, And, you know, I just kind of vented that day. Um, And then I saw her you know, today in the workplace, and I honestly, like, avoided her. Like, I, she didn't see me, but I saw her, and I just went in a different direction because, um, you know, I was thinking, you know, I have to be careful. Um, you know, I did have that encounter. I, I don't want to think that I would have problems at work, but I'm very aware that it's, you know, it's very likely that that could happen if she goes back and shares anything that I said, um, you know, it could impact me in some way. Um, But I would like to think that as long as I am performing and doing what I am doing in the workplace, that I would be able to protect myself against that. Um, But um, that was uh, very um, encouraging what she did say, and and that's what I've been doing the last couple of days is kind of beating myself up as to why did I share that information with this woman um, but I guess, you know, now I'm just going to shake that off and, um, you know, just continue to go into work and to be focused as, as usual. Um, and, and I guess I, that balance um, that Stacey did say of knowing that you are at war, but not reflecting that um, while you're there. So that that's not picked up on and used against you as well. Uh-huh. Yes, ma'am. 
Yeah, I, I was just going to say, um, yeah, definitely don't beat yourself up. You've done it. And um, just because you have spoke to somebody doesn't mean to say she would repeat it. So just additional advice is um, maybe try and keep away from her for a couple of weeks. But if you do see her, then don't, don't show her any change in your response and just be complimentary about your team thereafter. Just, oh, yeah, it was a bit of a bad day, but it's fine. Everything's working well, actually. And then just leave it at that. Um, and the only thing I would say is some of my conversations with this non-white person were not during work hours. Um, it doesn't make a difference whether you're speaking, that's a work colleague, there is an opportunity for them. You know, people don't draw those distinctions when they're repeating stuff, whether they, you said it to them in the workplace or outside the workplace. Um, you know, I've, I, you know, and I'm saying this because I've made the, the mistake. Um, so I'm not saying that to make you feel even worse, but I would just say, that just try and avoid those conversations. Find somewhere else to um, express yourself um, rather than in the workplace. I'll meet my langus. Yeah, I second that. Don't beat yourself up, Diane. Say, uh, con- end of every program, let's be patient with ourselves. Uh, we are all still learning, and that's... Uh, they don't have courses on workplace racism uh, and all, even though they should. Uh, so all of us, you know, you just learn as you go, but yeah, definitely don't, don't be uh, hard on yourself. Just now, you know, for future reference, I think a lot of us have made that error uh, in terms of talking to folks uh, on the job. Um, let's see, we had another post. Oh man. <laughs> another person that wrote in uh, for workplace racism. Uh, this is uh, from a black male. Uh, I saw a white woman walking into my job today with a shopping bag and immediately figured she had a problem that needed fixing. Although I was far away from her, I made certain not to make eye contact to avoid a problem client. Looking away from her to my left until she passed by, hoping she would ask for someone else's help. Not the case because she bypassed available workers and walked directly in front of me. She told me, She was sold the wrong size shoes by her personal stylist and wanted to change sizes. I remembered her from her visit this Sunday with her black husband, Cowbell, and I told her no problem as I went to fix it. She asked me how I was doing today. After my nonchalant reaction, assuming she was gauging my excitement of working with her, I told her fine and came back switched sizes she was happy and ready to go she asked me if there was anything else she needed better than what she asked me if there was anything else she needed better than what she brought i gave her a couple options she liked to the point she returned what she originally came in for she told me while modeling the shoe even though the size i brought her was a half size bigger than her original size she liked it looking directly in my eye telling me she doesn't like any restrictions in any area of her life, end quote. I went to get a couple more final options. She was more happy to model, twist and turn and ask my opinions on before setting for the bigger, no restrictions size. She asked me again how much they were. I told her they were on sale for $69. She replied again, sitting down in front of me, looking directly at me, loudly saying, Oh, I love 69. 
I remember a male caller on a broadcast with Pam advising to treat white females like men to counter this type of behavior. She broke me down finally to get a laugh out of me. I then went back to that advice I've been using and rang her up and excuse me and rang her to end my dialogue with her. She then started asking me if I made commission and if she could bring clothes to me to ring up for her even after my attempts of being nonchalant with her. From the start to the finish, the woman was very flirtatious and tacky for a married white woman. It just served as an example of how white women choose black men and black men do not choose white women during the system of racism, white supremacy. It served as a lesson for a co-worker of mine from Ghana how white women can only choose to be with black men after he witnessed what happened and claimed she would be back for me by the way she was acting very dangerous situation i would say i might even report this to a manager or what have you in case something happens because white women are so uh dangerous that this could be a situation particularly if she's married even if she's not but i mean just adding that in that she's married if she comes back uh the person that wrote in saying that she's she had been there more than once if she comes back and comes to his department and he is, you know, changing it up, saying that he's going to be codified. I'm going to treat her like a dude and just, you know, make it very clear that I'm not interested in all this. Uh, she could, you know, try to be vindictive. It's, oh, my gosh, this guy was, you know, being crude and making sexually suggestive comments. And he offended me anything. I would report this to your uh, manager. I would let someone know. Uh, what she did, particularly if other, if you have witnesses, if other employees saw some of this, he says the guy was there from Ghana who saw some of this go down and even he thought that she was going to be come back. I might have to let an employee know uh, because these sort of things happening on the, really anything on the job that's dealing with anything that could be some sort of sexual activity or anything like that. I would take that very serious. Uh, I don't know. Other people might not think of it as being that serious, might be something you just let it ride and just be uh, very direct with her. So there's no ambiguity. I'm not interested. I don't think any of this is funny. If you need help with, you know, your shoes or whatever it is, fine. You know, I can do that, but I'm not interested in any sexual talk. This is all professional. Just making that extremely clear, no confusion, but I would report this to someone at your job in case, you know, things try to go awry as they often do with whites, white women specifically in this type of situation. Uh, did folks have any, any comments on this before we move forward? Any suggestions? Uh, this is Diane. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Um, and that's kind of what I, I mentioned earlier. That is um, something that I am noticing that uh, the white women um, at my job are using, they, they're using the black men against me. Um, the black men, you know, will come in the aisle and they'll immediately be flirtatious and they'll, and they'll do all kinds of things to get that response. And then it's almost like a look at me like, you know, don't you see that? And, and you know, I'm not even seeking that kind of relationship from anyone at work. Um, but I see that attempt, and um, it just kind of reaffirms, um, like you said, what Nellie Fuller has said, um, how white women choose black men because it's almost like it's a, almost like a toy. Um, and you know, I just you know, I'm very aware of it, and it 
Um, it's like I said, it's kind of a reminder of, you know, senior men don't want you. It's it's a constant of stay in your place. Don't don't have too much pride. Don't carry yourself a certain way. Um, at the end of the day, we are your superior in every way. Um, so that just, um, you know, hearing that just kind of, you know, brought that to mind because that is, you know, almost exactly what I encountered today. Pretty consistent. Did folks have any suggestions for the male, I guess the male who's working, who wrote in about the situation on how he should deal with this if this white stalker uh, comes back to the store? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, greetings to you, Gus. Thanks for um, um, uh, letting me speak again. Yeah, I agree with you emphatically. Uh, jump on that immediately and shut that down. Um, I would further protect myself by recording the conversation I have with her because ultimately if she's choosing you as her special uh, conduit to do things on the job, you don't know if she's doing something illegal. She could be stealing things and, and you have no idea and you've been helping her, so you'll be considered an accomplice. Even if she's not stealing anything, all it takes is for you to make one mistake and she'll turn on you and probably make up things that you did that you didn't really do in order to further terrorize you or get you to lose your job. So I would definitely would not uh, personalize any service for her whatsoever. Like like you said, Gus, I would nip that in the bud immediately. Like uh, just in no short terms, let her know, you know, just let her know in a respectful manner that is not the way things are done here. Anyone in, in the store can facilitate assisting you at any time and definitely report it to someone in management just so that they know that this is what's happening excuse me, in case things do escalate in any way or in case she does uh, lie on you, which um, they're notorious for doing, I just go back, check out Emmett Till. You know, um, I forget that woman's name, Caroline, I forget her name, but she, twenty at 21, she waited till she was, I think, 82 to tell the truth that she lied on that black male and had that poor teenager murdered by those white terrorists, and she was there the night that they kidnapped and murdered him. So definitely I would do exactly what you said, nip that in the bud, and if you do have a conversation with her, um, again, I would record that conversation so that way if she does try anything slick, you know, you have that recorded conversation. I don't know what state you're in, but I would definitely look up the um, – the laws in regards to uh, recording conversations, um, and if they do allow for at least one party consent, which means that you would be the party that's consenting to the recording, and even even if they didn't, I would record it anyway, just so I have it for my records. Um, that's my best suggestion, and with that, I'll mute my line. Thank you. Indeed. Uh, any other suggestions they would give out for the uh, black male who's having this stalker uh, come into his a uh, place of business, place of work. Folks are generally much more excited about Area 8. Little surprise. But yeah, that would be my suggestion uh, for a person that wrote in. I would report it to someone, uh, even just saying that you don't feel comfortable, uh, that it feels a little creepy. She is married and you think her husband might have come in and, you know, just to report uh, that she came back in when, and was a little overly flirtatious. That's a concern you just wanted to uh, reported uh, in terms of just keeping things professional on the workplace and just to give folks a heads up. I think they would appreciate it. Great. And then you have some protection in place because you've already said something. And if you can get it in writing, that might be great as well. Um, that way it'll be a written record uh, of your concerns uh, about the situation. Then if anything does happen, you can say that I reported it and I submitted 
written documentation uh, of my concerns. Continuing, uh, other folks that dialed in, uh, if there anyone that we have not heard from at all, you should go ahead and speak now. Uh, caller at 3098, did you have commentary? 3098? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, good evening. Uh, I want to thank you uh, for taking my call. I uh, just want to confirm your email address. Is it untiljustice at gmail.com? That is me. Okay, great. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to share as quickly as possible. I was passed over for promotion, and, I was, and subsequently people who have less time on the job than me have been promoted. I wanted uh, listeners' um, insight on how I should conduct myself with uh, conversation regarding this this incident, uh, do I you know what I'm saying do I share as much as possible or do I try to be um, a little bit more low key with the um, with being passed over and having people with left time now being my supervisor? When you say share as much as possible, what do you mean? Well, I I've I've been I'm. Um, Fighting the uh, fighting the, the being being passed over for supervisor, uh, well, fighting it is uh, the word, but you know, trying to gain uh, gain gain the, gain the promotion through uh, through um, all the you know following the pol- policies, and um, subsequently, everybody knows now that I've been passed over, and um, now they want to you know people have been inquiring why or why why have you been passed over. So that's why basically I'm getting to that. But do I continue to share what I think has been uh, what the reasons I've been passed over for? Oh, I see. Uh, I probably wouldn't. I don't know uh, how, how would that how would that benefit you to share with the other suspected racists and or victims on the job, uh, your speculation as to why you've been passed over, would that benefit your situation to share that, share your, your thoughts on why this is happening with them? When you put, when you put it like that, no, actually, no, it doesn't really just, it just brings up, you know, the, the, I guess I said the trauma of being passed over for uh, ambiguous reasons. Hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. I don't, I don't know in terms of uh, how this is another one that's very common, uh, which a lot of these things are when you uh, really start looking at workplace racism, your own experiences, your own work career, and then uh, collectively uh, what whites do to black people and non-white people on the job. Very common in terms of black people not getting uh, promoted. Uh, I think some of the things that you can do in terms of starting to get evidence, because I think in some settings you can inquire as to what's the criterion for promotions uh, and get that information. And then uh, how did you all make your decision? Sometimes they can give you that information in terms of why, why was I passed over? Sometimes you don't even have to speculate. Sometimes you could just go ask and they can tell you directly. Uh, this is why. Um, I don't know. Did you, were you able to, to ask the people who, made the decision about the promotion? Were you able to ask them why you did not get the, the new better job position? Yes, I did. Yes, I, I did get, the, I get the reason, but the reason is very, like I said, it's ambiguous. I was told I had too many write-ups, but in researching the write-ups I have there, there's, you know, like as 
many people might 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 not have realized there is you have levels. You have the the verbal warning, uh, a written warning, and then you have actually you know uh, a discipline that results in a penalty. Now the majority of my I guess like I said they, they all but they all documented. So in in my case, all the documentation all counts with the same weight. And I've asked people how does one, you know, how does it, like you have uh, re-instruction, you have a warning, and then you have actual uh, suspensions and, and so forth. So I've asked them how does that all carry the same weight going forward. And uh, nobody's never been able to, nobody so far has been giving give me a solid reason how they've all carried the same weight. Hmm. The people that were promoted, uh, did they not have any write-ups, or was it they allegedly had fewer write-ups than you? That's that's what's been told me. Like I said, is is I I work I'm in I'm in New York City and I work for the uh, work for the city, so like as would be expected, it's a, a convoluted process that they have in place to. Uh, uh, to promote, promote people is just this thing that's called the one in three. I'm compared with two other people who might have better, uh, better work records than I have, but have, may have less time and score. Like I said, this with civil service is very, very uh, complex. Uh, like I said, I don't want to take up too much time getting into it, but as, you know, as I say, it's a, um, it's just very, very ambiguous because, like I said, I don't understand how. One thing can hold as much weight as, as how much how a, a, a verbal one it might hold as much weight as a something I uh, a, a suspension that, that I actually you know I, I served a suspension but there's only that one thing. Hmm. Yeah, see, that's one of those where one of the terms that I reference on this program frequently discretion uh, plays in and it, it plays in in a myriad of different factors because there's discretion involved with regards to who gets written up for what to begin with. Uh, it's a whole lot that goes into, you know, sometimes white people commit the same infraction. They don't get a write-up. They don't get a verbal warning. They don't get anything. So nothing goes in their record. Whereas a black person frequently, uh, I think there's a lot of data that would back this as well. The black person does get written up verbal warnings, all that stuff much more often than a white person. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's so many different layers where they can practice racism. So that ends up being the result. I uh, know. I don't know in terms of moving forward. I think you'd ask number one about the sharing with other with your coworkers. I guess about your thoughts on why you weren't right. uh, getting the promotion. My thought on that would be I would not uh, share with them uh, whether they're white or non-white. The whites that are there working with you are probably just looking to gather more information so that they can further uh, mistreat and abuse you and keep you from you know advancing in your career in that company and you know abroad. Um, in terms of what else that's the sort of thing that you would need a lot of information uh, i would be just trying to gather as much detail as possible about the promotion process write-ups that other people have uh, the frequency that other people get written up for things uh, that's the sort of thing i know uh is again mr fuller has talked about if you're able to find if it's a black person or someone who's worked there for a long time 
uh, where they've seen a lot of things happen, particularly for someone who's worked there for a long time and they are attentive, they're paying attention to what's happening, they can be very valuable because uh, you can find out, well, how many people get promotions? Have people been promoted before who have the same number of write-ups as I do? Uh, have non-white people been promoted? Is this a company where no non-white people have been promoted uh, in the last 10 years, 15 years? Like the more data you have uh, about the situation, the better position you're in uh, to ask questions and figure out how to proceed in terms of, hey, it seems like I'm being passed over maybe unjustly from this promotion, not just, you know, I have a couple write-ups and, you know, just need to work a little bit harder. Uh, that's my view, limited understanding. Did, did any other, or did, I guess that was the question. Did you have another question that you were asking for commentary from feedback from listeners, or did you just want to share that portion? That, that, yeah, that was the question I wanted to share. Okay. Did folks, any feedback uh, as we move forward? I, I'm sure a lot of folks can relate to being passed over for promotions. No comment? No comment? I don't know. Other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, if we've not heard from you at all, uh, you should go ahead and speak now. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, thank you very much, sir. Greetings to that's the host, the listeners and callers. I have about uh, three major, well, I guess what I would say major uh, incidents or anecdotes. Uh, the first one was, like I want to say this was a, a white person practicing racism. This is a, a black male who was a DJ. Um, in the area, and he came in to get, I guess, uh, copies of his, I guess, a dismissal for a charge that he had, but, you know, he's doing well. He uh, just graduated from college, um, but this is a person I went to high school with, and, you know, we got in a, a discussion about, you know, what's been going on, you know, ever since high school been gone, and we got to a part in the discussion where he said it was a, a black male, you know, we knew back in high school. Uh, and apparently he got married to this white woman. So he said at the at, at the ceremony that they had, I guess he, like when he was saying this, he made it sound like it was some kind of trend going on where, you know, there was a bunch of people in the, in the crowd. It was like they was whispering, like, get out get out, get out, like a bunch of black people were saying, get out to the, uh, <laughs> to the black male, you know, and it was, like when he was saying this, it was a bunch of white people around. So, you know, I just, I just feel, I started laughing, you know, so we were both in the rolling pretty much. So I was like, man, I never even thought of nothing like that, you know? <laughs> so that was just one little small incident right there. Um, the second was like, you know, cause I took the day and tomorrow off. So yesterday, uh, Wednesday, like before I bought the clock out, there was the DVD, right? And the title of the DVD was the color purple. Like somebody put it on my desk or whatever. And then it said, it said, um, like, uh, like free DVDs or something like that. So, you know, I just left it. Like, well, I didn't leave it on a desk. I just put it in the, the drawer or whatever, because, you know, I was about to 
clock out. You know, so I kind of like chuckled at it or whatever. So I don't, I don't know who put it there, but you know that that old movie, The Color Purple. Um, and in the, the third, like from the beginning of what is it? Yeah, September, going into this month, there was a uh, a letter that the uh, the head lady over there in the civil area, like the uh, well, I guess the warden. I guess that's the a metaphor I can apply, uh, the warden white woman, she uh, published this letter in the the news the newsletter, the circuit writer. So, you know, I, I thought that I should uh, read this. It's only one page. And it has, this, like, the title of it is the person's name, and it says anecdotes. So uh, it reads, what a glorious morning. Refreshed from a peaceful evening of rest, I woke up early to work out, cook breakfast for my family to enjoy together and do a load of laundry, all before my fulfilling, stress-free workday began. And then it says, said me never, says hi, I ain't blank, you know, I just blank the name out. And it says, and in case you don't know me, let me clue you in. Let me clue you into a couple neat tidbits about myself. I despise mornings. I do have a family, and I love them very much. But breakfast consists of toaster, waffles, or cereal, usually prepared by my husband. Morning workouts are about as frequent as solar eclipses. And if it's not already washed, do the smell test to see if it's wearable. But three months ago, a miracle happened. While still not June cleavering it in the AM, I'm able to relax a bit each morning, spread a little love to the fam, and make sure everyone gets out the door with lunches in hand, homework and backpacks, and smiles on faces. What's that you say? You two would like you two would like such a miracle cure for the morning grumps? I'll let you in on a, on my little secret. You might want to sit down for this one. I wear the same outfit to work for a week. Yes, the whole week I wear the exact same clothes. Oh, you like this dress I'm wearing on Monday? Great, because you'll be seeing it four more times this week. I know my mind is blown too, but it's just that simple. I no longer spend precious minutes trying on 15 different outfit combos to see what fits that morning. And after work, I don't come home to find said 15 Outfit scattered over my bed and floor, longer to be rehung or refolded. I enjoy picking out my accessories each morning, and it says, "Say what? I actually, I actually enjoy something in the morning. I have time to make a breakfast smoothie. I can hug my kids with both arms instead of a sideways running out of the door with my shoes in my hand, kind of a hug. And quite honestly." I feel so much better about myself and my day as a result. What started as a social experiment, I'm happy to share the details if you're so inclined to hear, has transformed the way I approach life each morning. What truly matters is what's in my guts, my work ethic, integrity, etc. And while I always make sure to dress in a professional, presentable fashion, my outward appearance no longer consumes the bulk of my morning. I'm able to focus on my family, 
and mentally and spiritually prepare myself and my guts for the upcoming day. And the last paragraph says, the collateral consequences of my decision to adopt a weekly uniform of sorts have proven amazing and caused no small amount of self-reflection. But alas, I don't want to hear, I don't want to wear out my welcome. I guess it was a pun intended on that. I don't want to wear out my welcome by writing a novel my first time here. So here's my final thought. And, I, and one I hope you'll actually consider. I encourage each, each of you to take a moment and focus on simplifying just one aspect of your morning. Then report back to me with the outcome. I'd love to hear your story and the resulting serenity that surely will follow. So that was the end of the uh, the letter she posted for the whole office to see. So that next morning in the monthly meeting, like it was some white people that was, I guess, uh, you know, making little jokes or whatever, saying, hey, that right there that you have on, did you wear this to such and such? Or whatever the guy was saying. And the lady, she says, uh, well, you know, it doesn't really require me to do it there or whatever that meant. You know, and this same person, like what y'all was saying about the, the flirtatious comments and whatnot, like it was one time, you know, a couple of times she'll say, you know, like a shirt that I have on, like, oh, that's a nice color on you or something, you know, uh, and um, and in front of the, the the human resources white woman, like, yeah, you know, she'll be saying, well, that's, you know, you look sharp in that shirt or something. So, yeah, you know, I definitely encounter that uh, with white women on the job. So I wanted to share that, that uh, letter because she still, I think, has been doing that when the uh, repeat outfits. So definitely uh, very mysterious white woman. And that's all I have for now. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> I remember weeks ago, last month, it's been forever since we missed so many programs, but when you originally shared about this woman and the experiment and folks speculated, you know, she might be doing this to try to set some people up to, you know, get them to to start gossiping that, oh man, she's wearing, she wore that yesterday. I can't believe it. We're dead in Florida and blah, blah, blah. Uh, maybe even get them in trouble. And now she does the whole debrief. <laughs> with the, I mean, wow, that is, and, and I appreciate that because number one, that lets you know when Mr. Fuller and other folks, when they say, you know, Hey, we do not know white people. We do not understand them. They are the most familiar mystery. We do not understand them. Great illustration. Uh, the experiment, the wearing the same clothes. This she even said in in the debrief that this was a social experiment. Now I was curious about that. Like, I mean, that's that's great and everything that you got more time to spend with your racist children and racist family in the morning and get your smooth. Great, but uh, the social experiment aspect of that. What exactly was? Uh, it feels like she left that part of the debrief out because uh, that would seem like that would involve. Uh, paying attention to how maybe other people were responding uh, to this and maybe getting some information from that. Uh, that just in my opinion, that is racist woman, racist man, racist child uh, coming into an environment. How can I manipulate 
dominate, abuse what's happening here. Uh, I'm going to make sure that I'm in charge. And then I can also do experiments to see how people are, you know, functioning here. Get more information, run a few tests uh, while I'm here. Not even doing my job. I'm running my own isolated experiments. Incredible. Uh, just And again, being alert, that's the sort of thing that I would have totally missed when I was ignorant about racism and not paying attention because I just wasn't paying attention to what white people were doing around me. A white person doing that sort of thing around me now, wow, this person would be red flagged forever as extraordinarily dangerous. Uh, this is how you're functioning in the workplace, conducting social experiments, flirting with folks on this. Just wow, extremely dangerous. Proceed with caution. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, and glad our Florida folks are, are doing safe. Um, other folks have commentary uh, they wanted to add. Um, social experiment, my goodness. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hello, thank you for taking my call. Hello, everyone. This is Red in Ohio. Um, just want a couple actually stories. That I had a meeting this week and um, they were just going over certain regulations, certain laws that the company has to abide by and just want to make sure that everyone um, is also following these same rules. They always change these rules. It seems like there's new rules every meeting, but no one really actually um, follows through with them except for me and maybe a couple other people. There could be 20 people in these meetings, each meeting, and they'll have probably about five of these. So outside of that, um, the first observation within the meeting was um, because the white women, they typically, and they're mainly females in the meeting, and um, I would say about half of them white, half of them non-white. And the white women in the meeting, they typically like to talk about like personal stuff, like stuff outside of work, what they're doing the weekend, what they did last weekend, what they're going to do this weekend, whatever. So one white woman, she had... Um, she was talking about her vacation that she recently took and she was talking about, she went up to um, Michigan and this black male in the meeting, he kind of engaged her in the, the conversation and they started to, because the black male, he, I think he was also from Michigan and he was, um, she had said something about, you know, well, Michigan is really not, somebody asked her how, how was it? She said, it's really nice. The upper P peninsula, she, and these are her words. She said the upper peninsula was, um, really nice, but everything in the lower peninsula was like, you know, crap or it was, she didn't say crap, but it was basically, you know, it's like, you want to stay away from there. And it really made me think about maybe like coded words because the, the black guy, he kind of got, um, you know, defensive. And I, I just, I'm really glad that I've been learning more and try to stay codified just to really observe these different things. Or it kind of made me feel like she was saying, and I tried to look it up, but I don't really know the difference in Michigan and stuff as far as what is considered upper and lower from, but from my understanding, usually if it's something bad, probably more melanated people are there. Um, and also I feel like if I'm not mistaken, that white woman does at least have one non-white child. So um, this one thing. Uh, the second observation, the part of the meeting, it was led by a person, and I'm not quite sure if he would be accepted as white. He definitely seemed like he had this attitude about him, like he was a white male, but he did not seem to fit at least the coloration of being white. He 
seemed a, a few shades too dark to be a white man. But he was leading the meeting and he had asked if we had any issues um, that we had noticed. I decided to bring up an issue I had. This other white female and uh, this other white woman in the meeting, she, um, now the question, as I always do, directed towards the people who are leading the meeting. Another white female felt that she had the answer to the issue that I had, not really knowing the whole issue. And it just basically, the, the, the leader of the meeting, he just basically stopped listening to me. So I kind of got mad in that, in, at, at that moment, but then I just try to think back to my codification and just try to do my best to, to, to just kind of like redirect my position on the problem that I was having. Um, so it basically, uh, really, I'm sorry. So what I left out was when he asked when this, when this man had asked what, you know, what are the problems that you're having? He was actually going to write down my issue to, you know, take it up to, you know, I guess up for management people, but, because of what she said, he completely stopped, like, stopped writing or whatever. So I def- so I observed that. So it's like all it takes is for a, a white fe- a white woman not really know what she's talking about, and that'll stop any progress. Um, and she's not the one who was leading the meeting. She was just in there. And not only that, a little bit earlier in the meeting when we were asked questions, she didn't know what she was talking about. Got stuff wrong, but that didn't matter. So I just thought that that was just, you know um, – I just wanted to add that those were my observations for this week. Thank you for allowing me to share. Wow. White women, big pattern on uh, this week. And a lot of what folks have been sharing, uh, get the whole meeting stopped and everything. If anything, it's good. I'm hearing from listeners, seeing pe- fewer people maybe are uh, taking white women for granted, uh, particularly on the job, because I feel like they are especially dangerous there. Uh, and I think we have a lot of examples in the program to uh, illustrate that over the years. But man, um, being ignored, that's another one of those very, very common uh, when non-white people in meetings and what have you can be totally ignored, not interested in hearing anything you have to say about anything uh, until a white woman steps up. A white person doesn't even have to be informed uh, in terms of what they're pre- uh, presenting, what they're talking about. Uh, we'll listen to them. We'll pay them some respect. But an even an informed black person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, Red in Ohio. Uh, if we have other folks who wanted to respond, if you had feedback for either Red in Ohio or other folks who dialed in, if you had commentary, feel free. Hi, guys. Stacy in London. Sorry, I didn't have any um, comments on what you said, but I wanted to give an update, if that's okay. Proceed. Okay. Um, I'm going to try and be quick because obviously this situation has been going on for a while. But as uh, most of the callers are aware, um, I'm currently in process, grievance process, as we call it over here, I'm assuming. Yeah, you call it the same thing there as well. Um, And this follows three years worth of harassment in one team. And most recently, including being um, uh, elbowed in the back on one occasion by my director and on another occasion having to push past me. Um, and also a young person who also did some uh, project work also had been pushed past me last year and then is doing something very similar, goading me. 
Um, but, you know, there are other things that have gone on, including false accusation of me shouting at a young person, uh, sorry, it's somebody who allegedly reported to me or supported me on a project and um, then me challenging that and so therefore being victimised by that and having the head of team and other managers in the team victimise me for challenging the accusation and asking them to prove exactly what it is that they're talking about. Um, so I had reported that to the senior uh, the chief of staff and HR had asked me for further detail in the, for, in the format of a grievance um, following me actually meeting with that group director and also um, having submitted a four-page letter setting out exactly what was going on. Um, well, most recently in relation to those uh, situations I just ran through. Um, so I was temporarily removed into another team and initially the time period was for six weeks on the basis that they thought the process might take that long but you know they knew it could take longer so it was an interim move of six weeks and that was in July um, and part of you know what I was asked to do is actually you know this is pretty much you know you're starting a new job when you move into another team who have different priorities so as well as making sure that I'm delivering what's been asked of me in that team, also working for a grievance. Now, at the start of that conversation or that arrangement, six weeks seemed like a long time, um, but actually having to go back and start to write down the detail of a grievance and deal with the emotional side of that grievance, for me has been really, really difficult. Um, and I've been making my union aware of that situation and they and they knew and they acknowledged that it would be difficult and you know that um, it helped me time off work and I said I didn't want to take time off work because I refused to have my work history affected by other people's behaviour. Um, so, you know, I haven't submitted that documentation as yet but I have been keeping HR up to speed now um, at the end of August 31st of August in the UK it's a bank holiday and just before the bank holiday I had well a couple of times I'd updated the HR person and he had asked me if I wanted to continue with the grievance I said yes um, and he you know I apologize for the delay but you know he explained that you know this has been quite difficult he um, acknowledged that point, but he also wrote to me in one email, the first email, about, you know, you've raised accusations against senior managers. And uh, um, when we met, we talked about natural justice, which we did not. Um, but I thought to myself, why are you mentioning natural justice? It was just so bizarre and also making me aware of their status in the organisation, which I was already very familiar with. Um, now, I, what I didn't want to do is get into a conflict situation with HR. So, but I did mention it to my union rep who, um, you know, I can't remember if she was copied into that email, but I forwarded it to her because I was actually quite upset by it. Um, and um, she, you know, but I said, I'm not going to raise it because I don't want to get into conflict with HR. However, I thought it was really inappropriate. Um, 
And when I did forward the email to her, she then wrote back to me and I thought, oh, off the back of the conversation and her being my union rep, that she would be um, acknowledging and actually defending me in, t- in that position, even though I didn't want her to necessarily go and raise any issues with HR, acknowledge my position. Um, but what she did do was say, well, I think HR are correct and blah, 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 which I was so annoyed by. But I thought, again, that's a different battle to be had at a different time. Um, so anyway, so I just carried on. And uh, so just before the bank holiday, then I wrote to him again and I said, look, um, oh no, I think I'd, I'd, I'd send him an update a couple of days before. And he had emailed me and said he wanted that documentation in that day. Um, and had copied in my two of my union reps. And I knew it was going to be a combative email. To be honest with you, I just emotionally didn't want to deal with it. So I didn't open the email because I knew it was going to be something which would have upset me. But um, I read it later and I was actually stunned because my union reps did not respond on my behalf and they did not contact me. I then um, had sent an email just before the bank day I hadn't actually read that in the previous email as I said but um, I sent him an email and he had then responded and said um, he's already taken steps to move me back into the old team again reiterating that these are senior managers that I've raised accusations about and about natural justice and um, if it wasn't for the director of the team that I'm currently in he would have moved me back sooner but she asked for two weeks um, to help her conclude the work in her team and I could give a handover. Um, and it was just such an aggressive, unnecessary, unsupportive and inappropriate email from HR. I took it to my doctor who was stunned. Um, and I, I didn't, I, I read it just before the bank holiday, so he had actually gone on leave. So I, again, cop- my union reps didn't contact me or do anything to defend and, you know, hold off HR from sending me that kind of correspondence. So I emailed the group director, copied in everybody, the two union reps and the person who had sent me that email and um, just basically said, um, after speaking with my doctor and also um, just talking to my sister about it, um, didn't really challenge the decision to move me back, but said that, you know, let them know that my doctor would be providing a response to that, the email correspondence, but asking the group director to just um, confirm that if they're going to move me back, what steps they're going to put in place to protect me, given the issues that I've already raised with them in writing. And then also um, asking for feedback on how they're going to treat my grievance because the letter just suggested that they weren't acknowledging or the email suggested that they weren't really taking my you know even if they moved me back they weren't really taking my grievance seriously um now that was sent before the bank holiday just before the bank holiday on the 31st and the group director still not responded i did um and this this um hr person came back from leave on the 7th of September, so last week. Um, now, he has corresponded on other matters, but didn't actually respond off the back of my correspondence. I did see my doctor and the letter, that they took a while to get the letter written, so I forwarded that 
yesterday. Uh, so that would be Wednesday of this week. So I haven't heard anything back. Um, and I've since spoken to my union, but I was so annoyed by their lack of response. But as I said, that is just a different battle to be had at a different time. But either way, um, you know, if, you know, as I've left it in their hands, are you going to move me back? How are you going to protect me? Because, you know, one of the things he said in the email was, for example, you know, moving me to another team has been unprecedented. These are senior managers. And what I wanted to write back to him and say is hopefully these senior managers' behaviour, elbowing and pushing past members of staff is also unprecedented. Um, but, I, you know, I just thought I'm not going to, be emotional in the email I'm not going to acknowledge it um yeah but anyway so that's my update um I'm still in the process um but yeah you know and I've I've, I've given my time myself time to deal with it because it is so emotionally taxing even to go back over some of the things that have gone on and to be able to put that into a, a formal document and obviously provide evidence um but having said that it was a sort of emotional it was emotionally difficult but actually starting the process and putting it down on paper i've actually felt better having done that but the thought of it was as overwhelming as having to actually start to produce that more detailed document but i'll meet my line there gus wow that is, uh, for folks who've been listening, Stacey has been giving us updates for uh, some months now on how all of this has unfolded. Um, I know when we spoke months back, uh, you also were contemplating contacting the police to make a report uh, since you were being physically assaulted. Did you uh, contact the police or did you have a change of opinion? Um, I didn't change my opinion, but like with everything, it's been so difficult um, to kind of get myself into a position where I did that. But basically, this process is um, it's going to be more than one grievance document because there have just been multiple things happening. So, for example, you know, the fact is that the director push, pushing past me is one, one grievance. The young person who pushed past me is another grievance. And then the false accusations is another grievance. So I'm dealing with, because I've done most of the correspondence anyway, or, you know, the detail on the false accusation, I'm dealing, you know, I'm going to put that one in first. And then what I want to do is be able to go to the police with detail. Um, so I haven't actually changed my mind on that. I'm just dealing with them in order. Um, and after that correspondence from HR, that if I was in any doubt then I was going to go to the police which I wasn't and, but I would say the union did sort of suggest that I don't do that um, I wasn't going to take any notice of them anyway because I do think and going back to the earlier conversations um, the arrangement that we've got is that the union people union reps even though it's a national and independent union um, union reps are employees and there's too many conflicts of interest there and I just don't trust it um, which is, you know, in terms of their response and lack of support um, is, is, is very telling to me. And they only respond to me when I challenge HR um, and management. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I was going to disregard what they said anyway. Um, but based on the correspondence that I took and the bias in that email from HR, 
that just secured for me the decision to go and report it to police. So whilst I haven't done it yet, I will be doing it. I'm just pacing myself because, you know, this has really been a difficult situation and it's multiple issues and multiple attacks that I'm dealing with. So, you know, the grievance itself is complex. The grievances will be complex. I've, you know, I'm not saying I have any faith in the process, but I'm going to pursue it regardless. Um, so not done it yet, but we'll be doing it. Wow. Man, I uh, definitely stay in touch and uh, more importantly, uh, make sure you are making time to replenish and do self-care, self-maintenance, uh, just because it sounds super toxic and stressful. Uh, and it's been going on for such a long time. Uh, and it seems like every time we get an update, it's it's some sort of new violation uh some sort of new violence that you've been subjected to in some way shape form so i mean i just when you don't even get to heal from incident a before we're at you know incident of violation m uh it's just man i I hope you're making serious time uh for self-care and and even the as you were touching on the emotional trauma of having to go through and read all these trashy emails uh and what have you because that's damaging too um so self-care self-maintenance because uh, it, it takes a toll uh, having to go through uh, all of this in the hopes of getting some sort of you know resolution um if folks any folks have a uh, commentary they want to share with uh, stacy suggestion or comment they want to offer if you have comments you want to make sure that you get in we are winding down uh only a little time left uh in the broadcast before we conclude uh we will be here tomorrow france Fanon, the wretched of the earth uh we're at about the halfway point or a little beyond uh we'll be here at normal time 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific we have not had our book club uh for two weeks i was dealing with wisdom teeth extraction for two consecutive weeks so uh that changed the entire schedule but healing moving forward we should be here tomorrow 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific uh do we have uh any other comments folks wanted to- in ohio I, it was about like the whole being passed over for, for promotion i think this has been brought up before on um or on the segment or, or on the show or whatever and um, what i've done is i have asked if i'm being passed up for promotions and i've seen other people you know be able to transfer onto different departments or get promotions is um, just asking the leader, what have you, and I might have missed this, but asking them what, how, like basically asking them for help, asking them, well, what, what do I need more? What other qualifications do I need to be able to get the promotion? Um, do you have any tips on what type of candidate that they're looking for? Um, they might not actually be honest with you, but at least you're, you're trying to do something. So if, it comes up again, you can then, you know, just refer back to, well, I've, I've, I completed this step. Um, and now it's, it's something else. So I don't know even if that might build a case for, you know, the EEOC, not saying that they will probably do something under this type of administ- uh, presidential administration that we have, but that could be a suggestion. Um, that's all I wanted to add. Thank you. Appreciate that, Brad. 
think yeah he had said they they uh they did not tell him or at least i don't recall him sharing uh what he could do to bolster his position they explained that he he didn't get the promotion because he had too many write-ups but yeah that might be good information as well what can he do to strengthen uh his portfolio so he'll be in a better position to move on up the corporate uh corporate ladder uh the caller who dialed in 4243 did you have commentary or did we already get you 4243 Um, that could be me. This is in Ohio, but oh. yeah, I already spoke. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, do we miss anybody else? We miss anybody? Or did we nab all of our callers? The caller one nine eight nine. Did you have commentary one nine eight nine? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Okay, I have. Uh, I'm gonna make this quick. Uh, I have two uh, two stories that I would like to share. Uh, with this Colin Kaepernick thing and, and the football, I find that some of the uh, some of the white gentlemen that I work with, they find it. I'm not gonna say that they find it funny, but I believe they like verbal punishment. Uh, I used to. I used to call myself straighten them out when they would say something inappropriate and I've noticed that they've been doing a lot of uh, having a lot of discussions in groups about uh, boycotting the NFL because of Colin Kaepernick and what I would normally do would, would get into uh, uh, well not really discussion but more of a, of a reprimanding a verbal reprimanding of what was actually going on and why he was being treated this way. But I, I have stopped doing that. And what I do now is I just give a, I just give a big fake laugh just to let them know that I did hear him, but I didn't care and keep on walking. So that's, that's one of the, uh, vampirisms that I've been going through. And, uh, what's more disturbing is, is this, like a 70-year-old black man who's been working there for like 30-something years. Uh, he hurt himself, so instead of getting the money for suing, he has a job for as long as he would like to. He just don't have to do nothing. He just has to come to work. And what I find him doing more times than not is that he tell, he tell jokes that's, that kind of... Uh, they kind of sway towards the other white co-workers. And now he does is belittle the other uh, non-white people that works in our area. Now, I've tried to talk to this person once, only once. And after that, I don't, I don't do it no more, but it's so irritating. I was wondering, did anybody have any, uh, any type of solutions or hints to how to deal with that to get that to stop or is that just a lost cause and I mute my line mm-hmm. my view uh, I think I read that article someone wrote into the newspaper for suggestions on how to deal with a workplace issue and the response the newspaper response was they encouraged them to try to clearly delineate between things that are these are either violations of workplace policy and procedure, or these are problems for me. I'm being mistreated directly. You know, my uh, paycheck was short 
$800, you know, these are serious issues that need to be addressed. And what are things that this is just an annoyance. This is not necessarily, you know, something that we need to have a major meeting and everyone needs to attend. We need to get this resolved the next 24 hours. It's not that, but it certainly is something that is unpleasant for me to experience in the workplace. I might, this black person, older black person who, you know, is entertaining the whites on the job being, I guess, the uh, entertainment committee uh, for the whites on the job. I would probably just put that in the category as an annoyance uh, because I, I, I can't, it's not a whole lot I could think of that would stop the situation. I mean, I guess you could say something to him. I don't know what that would be. Um, ask some questions about why he's uh, entertaining these folks or does he have to give that certain brand of joke? Does he know any other routines? But if it's an older person and, you know, this is what they're content to do, victim of racism, they got, you know, VGQ just like everybody else. I probably just go about my business of, of figuring out ways to ignore it and, uh, not let it bother me uh, too much, but I don't know. Uh, any uh, listeners? Do y'all have any any suggestions? Is this one uh, where you say, "Hey, I think he could he could do this to get that stopped without creating any new problems"? Uh, I uh, had a a similar experience, and I think I mentioned it on the program years ago, where a uh, coworker, uh, non-white black male. Uh, decided that he was going to be uh, Comedy Central and in the persona of putting on a gorilla mask and to go into the fire station with one of the battalion meetings that we uh, that the fire department has, uh, probably like maybe once a month. And uh, I saw him with it uh, before he actually entered the station. And just pull him to the side and in, in, in a nice way uh, asked, asked him, could you please not wear, uh, do that? Uh, because it would motivate me to have to defend you in the process. And he thought about it and, and left, it on, left it on the truck, wherever he had it previously from. Uh, I mean, if, if, if it bothers you that much and you think it's maybe worth it, then, you know, uh, just ask the person, you know, ask, ask a question, you know, uh, problems are solved through questions and answers, uh, you know, uh, or I mean, then again, the, the whole idea about ignoring it, uh, that's also a, a good, uh, a good, uh, uh, uh code to uh, have also. But, uh, I just wanted to ask one question. Uh, uh, did, did anybody mention anything about the, uh, ESPN, uh, host non-white black female? who uh, tweeted about the uh, president of the United States being a, a racist. I think she said white supremacist specifically, uh, Donald Trump. I didn't say anything about it because I detest ESPN and I don't watch any of their content. And I have concluded part of the reason I don't watch ESPN is because I've concluded the way that they are practicing racism, white supremacy is that they will do things that bring attention to the network that are about racism. I think that their whole, the whole time Skip Bayless was employed there, I think that was everything that happened with First Take. They would do this all the time to have some sort of racial theater between he and the other victim on that show. I think they do this on a regular basis to stir up some sort of racial animosity. They already got a lot of black athletes there anyway, so it's easy to do. 
I don't care what happens on their set. I just assume anything. It's staged. It's great publicity for ESPN. It gets great traffic driven so people can read articles about whatever it is because they have these sort of things happen on a regular basis where somebody gets in trouble or a black person that works at ESPN gets in trouble uh, for a view or position that they've taken. So I don't care what they do about anything. I have nothing to say about it because I feel like it all just promotes ESPN and probably in some way racism, white supremacy, too. But I am aware of the situation. Yeah, I I I, uh, I understand where 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 you're coming from. Uh, the only reason why I I uh, thought about it when I saw it, I, I actually didn't see it on TV. I, I saw it on Yahoo uh, as a news article, and uh, VGQ to the, the non-white uh, black female uh, victim of racism uh, and her comment, uh, but. Uh, uh, I was observing it as what perhaps something that you should not do. Uh, uh, if you call a white person a racist, uh, they may just make you prove it. And, uh, and if that is the case, then that non-white black person is going to have problems. Uh, uh, I have seen it. I have experienced it myself. <laughs> Uh, you know, most of the things that I bring up, I've experienced it myself. Uh, I've made either made a mistake or actually, uh, imposed the experiment and was successful. In this case, I actually, uh, uh, experimented with that. And, uh, uh, although I did not call the white person, uh, a racist, I, I just, I said, I suspect that, uh, uh, this person or these people uh, practicing were practicing racism, and they got angry about that, you know. But uh, I managed to get out of it because I did say I well I didn't I didn't I didn't accuse anybody directly of being a racist anyway. But uh, in her case, reportedly, according to what was reported, that that's what uh, was said, you know. And just just a thought, you know, workplace racism. Yeah. Can I be heard? Uh, hang on, Thomas in New York. What further stood out as fishy, as they say, about this whole controversy, the black female journalist in question, Jamila Hill, she hasn't been fired. And it's been my experience, white people, they generally have no hesitation uh, with terminating a nigger. If you said something wrong, oh, you called somebody a racist or whatever the case is, she hasn't been fired. Again, that to me just further stands out as this could all just be one gigantic night. And it's something that started on Twitter just further. In fact, I don't even have, uh, we don't, we're not even talking about the rest of that. We can put that for compensatory call in. Did you have something non Jamila Hill uh, related, Thomas, in New York? Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to say once you give um, someone a warning um, and they continue to what I call um, legal behavior. Uh, and I love legal behavior, but I don't like it at the workplace. I stay away from those people. Um, I hate when people, um, I, I work with a lot of young people that like to use nigger and uh, referring to each other. I, I don't want to be in those conversations at all. Like, I, I, I try to codify myself in some people you're just not going to be able to help. Um, and um, I have, um, I did have a comment on the Jamila Hill thing, but it was very short. If I can get it in, guys. Heavenly Father, let's hear it. Okay, <laughs> I just wanted to say, 
uh, from the beginning of the Trump's uh, election, I kept saying this is um, this is uncharted president, um, uncharted territory because never before have we seen a white person being called a white supremacist and racist by other white people. So um, if I was her, I would just go to the tapes, man, CNN. It's not a day that goes past that they don't have a white person calling him a racist in the news. Just pull it up. I mean, she should be safe. She's not fired. I don't even know what people are talking about. She's not fired. I haven't heard where she's been reprimanded at all. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. It just anyway. Uh, did anybody uh, have any other comment? We have about five minutes left. Any other comments they want to make sure they get in before we conclude? Yeah, I wanted to say something about the hair because I got on the train went underground. I lost the signal uh, when um, you were reading about the young scholars' um, comment about someone touching the hair. And um, I just want to say that one is um, at this day national here, um, white people have a tendency to try to, they want to know what hair feels like because they don't have one. They have fur. So they want to they want to feel it. They want to feel what the realness is. And they, they're intrigued by that, you know. And I, I think that he's very codified, you know, don't touch my hair because um, you don't have none. And I'll meet my arm. Don't touch my hair and be codified. Uh, we, oh, uh, Red in Ohio, when she made the comment, I think she said one of her suspected race soldier co-workers, I think, went on vacation or something, went to Michigan and came back and was saying uh, that the upper part of the peninsula was great, but the lower part was crap or whatever it was. And she felt that that was some sort of coded uh, racist comment. Uh, Detroit, I think, is the most well-known uh, city in Michigan. Uh, is certainly in the southern part of the state, as well as uh, Ann Arbor and Lansing, most of the places that you know, most of the bigger cities that I think people have heard of uh, in the state of Michigan are in the southern part. And certainly the cities that are notorious places for having lots of black people, like Kwame Kilpatrick, they tend to be in the southern part of the state. Uh, Anybody else have anything quickly they wanted to get in before we conclude? Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, really quick, Gus. Uh, another thing the past couple of days I've noticed is uh, a lot of white people, they said that they still haven't gotten power yet. And uh, I told them that I had mine. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious. Would not be surprised yeah. if they find out where you live. They come by to egg your residence uh, or anything else. Yes. Wow. I'm sure they are furious about that. That nigger has got his power restored and we're down here str- and in Florida, no less. Like I cannot even relate to an environment where air conditioning is mandatory. So, wow. I, I am sure you got called all kinds of niggers and everything else as soon as you turned around. Wow. Wow. Stay safe. I wouldn't eat anything or drink anything that they bring to you over the the next few weeks or so. Be very codified. Uh, Stay alert on the job. I'm glad you got your uh, electricity. Congratulations. Wow. Well, we will be here for uh, not workplace racism. 
book club, Friends Fanon, Wretched of the Earth. That's tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Compensatory call in this weekend, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Excuse me, 9 p.m. Yeah, I've had it correct the first time. 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. And then the global Sunday talk on racism. Didn't even have it last month because of my various ailments, but uh, we are right and ready to roll. We should be here Sunday, 12 noon. Stacy might be with us then too. Uh, 12 noon Eastern. Uh, excuse me, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, 12 noon Pacific, the early broadcast so we can accommodate our folks from around the globe. Uh, if you have any questions, confusion, uh, if you have something you want to write in for workplace racism, I did miss some of the comments that people wrote in. I'll just add them for next week uh, until justice at gmail.com. Uh, thanks to all the folks who called in, wrote in, participated. Hope it was worthy of your time and energy. And again, workplace racism, something we should be thinking about, talking about regularly. Uh, make sure you have your workplace journal. Uh, for folks out there, consider the recording device. You can certainly uh, be great to check the local and state laws, but I think it might just be a good tool to have. And then, you know, you can see if it's something that you want to use down the road, but you can check on them, get models that are very, very cheap. I guarantee a lot of folks, particularly if you have a caffeine addiction, you probably waste more money uh, a week on coffee uh, than a recorder, uh, probably a quality recorder. Uh, would cost. You can check them out. I even had somebody who wrote in and said they just got their recorder and were excited for the opportunity uh, to use it should the need pop up. Uh, with that, sobriety would be best even at the workplace, especially at the workplace. We had the person who wrote in talking about all the various conversations that the whites were having about alcohol consumption on the job that you already know, dangerous environment right there, but sobriety would be best. Uh, I think our brain computers would function best not on alcohol or cigarettes or anything else uh, that whites concoct uh, the stuff in our bodies. I think they would function best uh, if we could get quality rest, take time to take care of ourselves. I think then we might be able to come up with some solutions to the problems we are facing. The main problem being white people, racist man, racist woman, racist child, especially if you're out and about enjoying the last little bit of summer, uh, some summertime. Uh, if you're going to be out behind the wheel, traveling, doing whatever, you definitely do not want to be under the influence uh, and then have the misfortune of having to come in contact with a race soldier and do some explaining or what have you under what could be a lethal situation. Man, that is not a time that you want to be stumbling, stuttering, having difficulties because you were not sober. War is being waged against us. And I guess, yeah, that would be a great final comment. Dr. Kanban would always remind us we are not at war. Uh, and most of the time I'm codified, I say it the correct way. White people are at war with us. We are not at war with them. And that is clearly on display every day. Uh, just making sure that that is clear, stated accurately each time. With that, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy, we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time to replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cal signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? 
A victim. Uh, a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.